Welcome to Full Metal Tuxedo, your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Gregory, and of course, my co-host, Patrice. Did you enjoy the silence? Did you enjoy sitting alone with your thoughts? And love that awkward (laughs) silence, of course. So sorry about that, folks. Um, So we put up a poll for what today's episode should be about, and uh, Lawn Care... (laughs) Lawn care won the vote, did it not? Or it got pretty damn close. I think close. it was pretty close. It was I think pretty it was like close. A third of the votes. But you guys thought we were joking with that lawn care. But this is this is sort of your lesson that you need to learn is if if you vote for the joke thing, we're just gonna do the joke thing. Except it's no joke to me. I take lawn care yeah. deadly seriously. Yeah, we're we're middle aged people. Yeah, like there comes a point in your life where you reach a certain age where you're just like, I really like plants. Yeah, and you know what? You know, based on the demographic of my audience, most of the people in my audience are between 25 and 45. So chances are you have lawns or you like lawns or... Yeah, we're not going to... We won't kink shame you here. No, and we weren't... And it's not like a euphemism for, for weed or anything. We literally mean actual grass. Like when, I, when we read what people thought it was going to be about, I was like, that's actually really clever. I wish that I had come up with lawn care being about crop circles. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Now I feel kind of I feel kind of dumb for having not made that connection myself. We are definitely going to cover crop circles eventually though. Um so if you're new to the live uh to the live stream thing, if you're new to the podcast, we live stream this every Saturday night. Uh usually between 10, well, we we're doing it earlier tonight, 10 p.m. Yeah. and you know what? We might keep that we might keep that tradition up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we usually stream Saturday night on the Armored Gregory YouTube channel, and then we upload the final version to Armored Skeptic More, the Full Metal Tuxedo podcast home. But of course, our podcast is available to listen wherever your favorite podcast uh, service is. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and many more. And I'm sure there'll be more to come in the future. Um... Yeah, so it's the dead of winter here in Canada, you know, so it's pretty frustrating with all the snow. So I, I don't really uh, I don't really get to play with lawns very often, and not this time of year. We're actually, we've got snow squall warnings coming uh, for southern Ontario, which is a little bit frustrating. But, uh, you know, Patrice... Yeah, so the lawn care, basically the lawn care part is look outside... The lawn is dead. Go back inside and pour yourself a drink. Right. Bas- basically. But I mean, I'm, I love yard work. I'm one of those weird people. I don't know. Maybe it's just a guy thing. But I just love yard work. It's just peaceful, serene. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting back to that lawn care. <laughs> um, do you know, I think like yeah, the trick to a good lawn is that, you know, you do have to use a good nitrogen like fertilizer oh absolutely every six or so weeks so it gets that real healthy green color yeah and keep up with the watering yeah deep watering deep deep watering got to make sure that the soil on your lawn is soaked right down deep so that if you forget to water it or if you go a little while without rain that the grass has plenty to feed off of in the the days to come Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i mean patrice and i (laughs) The reason lawn care ended up as one of the options is because Patrice and I spent a good deal of time talking about repairing lawns, dead lawns and stuff. And uh, 
Yeah, I think that Patrice and I have a both have a fairly good green thumb, if I do say so myself. Uh, you know, uh, green the green thumb actually uh, it actually uh, is hereditary. I've developed or uh, accumulated quite a good deal of knowledge from my family. Both my father and my grandfather went to the School of Horticulture in uh, the St. Catharines, Niagara Falls area. And they be like, my father <laughs> can name almost every single plant that ever existed uh, in Latin. He knows the Latin names for all of them, which I got to say impresses me every time. Uh, he says it's easier for him to remember the Latin name than the English name, which I find is hilarious because I can't even remember half the names of, of plants. Um, Patrice is very much into gardening, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy a good, like, houseplant. Yeah, well, I need more houseplants. That's for mm. sure. I need more life in, uh, in my space. I think it is weird, though, that you do kind of, I don't know, for me, it was probably like, I don't know how old I was when I was just like, I'm, I want to look after plants now. Like, it is almost like a nurturing thing, I guess. Yeah, that's probably, that's a really good way of looking at it. I like the, you know, the oxygenating my space. I like uh, having stuff that's alive around me. It makes me, uh, yeah, it makes me feel good to be around a lot of life. And you're right, like caring for a plant, you know, whether it's your lawn or a house plant or flowers in your garden, it, yeah, it, it, it's satisfying to nurture something to life, back to life, keep it alive, make it flourish. And it's always so satisfying when it works out in the end. Mm. I agree. But we're not really going to talk about no, no, we're not here. <laughs> no, of course not. You know? We, uh, the winner, of course, was mythology and stories based on mythology. And one of the suggestions that we got, or a couple suggestions we got, were about end times, apocalyptic events, stuff like that. So that's what you're here for tonight, folks. And uh, we've actually got a few stories to read from our email um, that are not totally unrelated. But uh, it's on the spirit. It's the spiritual, the spiritual stories. Yeah, I would say absolutely. So, uh, if you guys, a lot of the Armageddon Endgame, Endgame, Endgame. End Times, <laughs> <laughs> Avengers. You know what? I should have listed Avengers Endgame as one of the apocalyptic events that we were going to uh, discuss because that is a modern example of an apocalyptic event. But. Do you know, having said that, though, is I reckon that I have I'm, I have the possibility to become a prepper. Oh, I and know. And so, so you need to learn how to garden if you want to be surviving the Armageddon, if you want to make it. Actually, prep. If you don't even know if you don't even know how to, like, keep seeds or, like, keep things alive or know when you're meant to plant things, Actually, you're not, you're not going to survive very long. Prepping is actually one of the first things Patrice and I discuss. Neither of us are literal preppers, but... Um, we dally in the survivalist, yeah. like, reading. Like, I, I find it really fascinating. Yeah, I used to... And especially, like, this whole community online of, 
religious preppers, like people who are literally preparing because they believe that the end of the world is going to happen in our lifetime. Well, the religious ones are certainly the most interesting ones. Uh, there is like a television show about those people, which I find really interesting. Um, mm. But I've, you know, I've had food stores before. I've kept water and stuff just in case. And, you know, it's always smart just to have even just a couple weeks worth just in case there's some sort of a natural disaster and the grocery stores don't get food for a while you don't want to be the the guy you know in your neighborhood that has to be begging other people for food like don't be that guy um it's always smart to just have a little bit uh, of a buffer just in case just like you want to have a little bit of extra money in the bank in case of an emergency as well um i like to keep simple stuff beans oats rice um, you know, th those three, I feel, are the staple. You can get by mm. every day on that. You get your protein, you get your, you get your grains and your... Uh, like, I like the idea of having, like, hardtack and pemmican and stuff like that kind of in my, like, bug-out shelter kind of thing, but I've never actually done it. I've never actually made pemmican, never done hardtack. Well, I, th done. I think we should try it, though. I mean, we've got a whole list of stuff. Oh, I still have the starting soon up. Damn it. Um, yeah, so we, um, yeah, we definitely have to try that. I mean, there's a whole bunch of prepper stuff that, that I'd like to try. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely much more interested in prepper uh, channels lately, or even just lifestyle channels where people sort of live either off the grid or semi off the grid or just um, self-reliant people. Those people I find so interesting. And I yeah. would, hi, I, I hi would love that. <laughs> yeah. I would love that though to have you know to live off of my own land to um, mm. have like a simple structure and you know have a, a large garden that I grow all my food, yeah. maybe a couple animals that I get milk and eggs mm. and stuff from. Because that's my dream to have a self-sustaining yeah. homestead, even oh, like a tiny, tiny home. Like I would love to live in like a tiny house. Mm -hmm. And just really, yeah, like, just, even if it was just for a couple of years, I'm sure it's one of those lifestyles that you probably learn to love it. I have a feeling it's, that... Like, if it was, like, real researched and you've, like, put the time in, you've got the Tesla batteries, you've got the, you know, and live in, still in relative comfort. Yeah, oh, but still I know. be able to be, like... I'm, I'm you know. so fascinated by those. Um, there used to be a community of people like that that uh, I followed years ago. And uh, I always wanted to try it. And I, I oh, is that that weird one though, where it'll go a bit weird? Uh, I don't know. There was that famous one. They were like, they lived, and they, but it was it got a bit culty. Uh, well, the one I followed already was a cult to begin with. Oh. So, like <laughs> that, that's that it got like super culty. Like it was almost like a gated community, but for people like living right, grid right, and. I think basically, like, this is literally, I'm reaching into the gray matter here and I might be wildly off, but from what I can remember, they were, like, living on his land for free, but he was kind of making them work for it. So it was, Ooh. like, super, like, physical labor cult. Oh, that's usury. Like, building building shelters and different mm. houses and I mean, that's not, farming. That's not too far off from, like, Amish culture or Mennonite culture where, you know... Mm. They raise a barn in a day, but the reason they do that is because the whole community does it together. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like if if 
I got that to work. If I could get a homestead set up and self-sufficient, um, and I got managed to get that to work for a couple of years, I'm betting at the end of that couple of years, I wouldn't want to give it up. No. I feel like your life would go slower. Yeah. Well, that's part of it is the world slows Cause, down. Because we're so used to things just being instantaneous. Like if you have to learn how long it takes for a cucumber to grow or, you know, like even waking up early, even just like knowing, like I feel that that would, there'd be such satisfaction in being able to go to bed at night, knowing that you've emotion, like I'm not emotionally exhausted yourself. <laughs> 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 like, I just want to live in the country in the fresh air and cry myself to sleep every night. Yeah. Like, <laughs> being physically and intellectually exhausted because you're, you're thinking about your, your actual survival. Like you're thinking you know, months in advance. Like I told you about that TV show where it's based in Canada, but well, they just, they spend all year preparing for winter. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I was going to say, I don't know that I've got what it takes to do that in Northern Canada because mm -hmm. there are those months, like s several months of the year where you're essentially just snowed in and there's not really much you can do. You, like, yeah. like Patrice said, you spend the whole summer, spring, and autumn like hunting and growing food constantly so that all winter long you have a ridiculous amount of food saved up. And you got to gain weight too. That's the other thing. You have to gain weight. Otherwise, the winter Delicious will take hard. you. Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the fun part is gaining weight. But it's actually hard to gain weight when you're constantly yeah, so you're outside like, yeah, so working. Yeah, so that was the summer that I ate just straight moose fat. Well, that's, you know? that is what you have to eat because it's easy to gain weight now mm. because all you need to do is go to the grocery store Ooh. or go to the bakery and buy some cookies and just eat the whole thing that's and why pemmican's so good because it's literally like fat and dried meat mm. dried berries right and it keeps and it will save your life whereas <laughs> you know as opposed to you know if you're living out in nature it's actually very difficult to gain weight um, even if you're eating straight fat off a of moose all day, every day, like that doesn't all just stay because you're burning those calories too. Mm. Um, it's um, like, yeah, the resourcefulness of it, like knowing that you're so far away that what you have, if you haven't prepared properly, like that could kill you. Like that's kind of a really like primal way of living. Like I think that that is, I would love to do that. Yeah, I think that um, my 10-year plan, though, uh, includes going somewhere, moving somewhere that I can sort of have that life. If Even if it's just brief or for some, mm. you know, some time, I think that it would just be amazing to have my own little homestead, my own little hobby farm, if you will, a uh, mm. ha handful of animals, handful of gardens. and um, somewhere I just think it's amazing, like even the people up in northern Ontario and stuff like that, how yeah. like they live that way, like oh, such yeah. a lifestyle choice. Like... I can't imagine how freeing that must feel to just be like, I reject this world mm -hmm. and I'm going to go live off the grid in Northern Ontario. Yeah. I mean, the vast majority of people that do it in Canada are native and, um, you know, they were born and raised in these like harsher regions. Um, mm. I think that you pointed out that one of the people on the show you were watching was Swedish. So again, mm. you're, you're dealing with somebody who's used to really harsh conditions. Mm. So, you know, you can But then there was just an old guy on there that was just like, what have I got to lose? Yeah. 
just like wanting to be like an outdoorsman. He just wants right. to be an outdoorsman. I have to look up what that show was because that was so interesting, like learning about how they run dogs and teaching them and, you know, just how vital that is to... Right. Well, that's what you need, especially in Canada. You need to have huskies. You have to Mm. have dogs. Otherwise, you just won't make it through the winter. Um, Mm. And those dogs, it's hard because you got to, they're outdoor dogs. They're working dogs. They're not like pets. So it, but it's better than horses because, you know, horses are great in the summertime, but are useless in the winter in, in the Yukon or Northern Canada. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess that is a little bit lawn care, bit of end yeah. end times. <laughs> end times lawn care, so you know, yeah. a little it's mashup like better, of both. What is like forewarned is forearmed, like you know, be prepared, not alarmed. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'm gonna want to do it somewhere that um, I can grow at least something year round, or at least that has less harsh winter months. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere a little bit more, not tropical. That would be terrible. But somewhere more, you know, with a tropical, more tropical, just sitting on a beach yeah. and coconuts and mangoes. Well, I mean, that is that sounds beautiful too. But some somewhere with a more temperate climate, with a more a regular regular climate that uh, allows for year-round growth of at least something. You know, like even even just the idea of going. Oh, we don't have an like. Imagine just thinking you get all your food ready, and then you're like, oh, we don't have enough firewood. It's not going to dry out in time. Right. Right. That's scary. So there's all that's that that, like that's a scary thought that, you know, Mm. it actually takes almost trees a full year to dry out enough that you can actually burn them as firewood. So you have to be constantly harvesting Mm. wood all every day. Like that's actually like I almost said a meme, but that's like a (laughs) that's a that is a well-known thing about uh about living, you know, in northern Canada or living out in the woods is that you have to chop wood every day um, for several hours every day. So I mm. actually, I look forward to that, though. That sounds, that again, <laughs> that's just... singing Monty Python. That again just sounds like a spiritual I'm experience to me. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Canadian, so, you know, I love my Canadian roots. Can't deny them. <laughs> Um, before we get into the meat of our podcast, we've already got a super chat here from Miss Piggy. Thoughts on Stephen Greer, please. Love your vids and podcast. Ooh, Stephen Greer. Dr. Stephen Greer. Dr. Stephen Emergen- Greer. Emergency surgeon. Yeah. Well, as a doctor, I trust him with my life. Uh, I, I'll say that. He always that. speaks very highly of his wife. I like that. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like a lot of his, a lot of his talks, he's always like, "My wonderful wife." That's true. You know, I find that's an interesting. I, I, I know. I see that enough to notice that about him. That's one of the first things that comes to mind. Um. Yeah, and I think what? as as a doctor, he's probably an amazing doctor, surgeon, whatever. Um. I would trust him if I ended up in his emergency room. I think people like that, they get really, I would, I guess it's like anybody that you, I just want to talk to people mm-hmm. like, and get to know them as person so mm-hmm. that I can then make a judgment on whether I think that they are like full of shit or not. Well, I, I was pretty harsh on him in my uh, UFO series that I did a year or two ago. 
Um, Patrice, of course, is a huge fan <laughs> of those videos, of course. Um, <laughs> um, I was pretty harsh on him because I was just sort of, ex I wanted to explain to people what the UFO community was like. And Stephen Greer, I feel, is a perfect example of one of these disclosure slash um, whistleblower type people are. Um, when it comes to the stories he tells and the way he injects himself into them and the way he sort of describes um, his experience with them and all the details about all the UFOs he's seen and how they work and how the aliens, the clothing they wear and everything, I find all of that very difficult to swallow. And I, it, I'm not saying he's a liar, or I'm, I wouldn't call him a liar, but it, I don't know, I have a lot of trouble. Um, I have a lot of trouble believing that aspect of, of his character, and that aspect of his uh, persona, if you will. And I, I don't know that I understand it. I don't understand why he does what he does. Like, I think that it's possible that a lot of what he says is true, or some of what he says is true, for all I know it all is. But um, one of the things that sort of has always bothered me uh, or that I've always had trouble getting my head around with him is that he'll spend an hour or three giving a lecture, but he'll never present any evidence or proof of any of those things. Just it's all firsthand accounts from stuff he remembers. See, like when I think of Stephen Greer, I think of him almost like one of these, um, the, like the charismatic preachers. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you know, we when we was when we were speaking about like the evolution of the Pentecostal Church and prosperity churches and all of that, the that whole that in the fifties they decided the only way to bring people into the church is to make the church supernatural, right. to show them how God works in mysterious ways, right? You know, and so they'd do that by speaking in tongues, like spiritual warfare, the whole like give us your money and then you know what were what the three there's three main ones it's spiritual warfare speaking in tongues and oh and healing miracles mm. um so i almost feel that that's the way a lot of these um ufo ancient alien peoples position themselves like I they are almost a charismatic leader and so there's a part of me I struggle with if it's okay to kind of like give it the old razzle-dazzle if it makes someone look into something a bit more than what they would have before. You know, is it a white lie well, to just pique someone's interest? That's an interesting point because he did sort of force me to look into it more. And I did learn a lot by getting into it. So, um, but a lot of what I learned, or at least I feel I learned, that didn't really mesh up very well with his take on events or his idea of what UFOs are and aliens are and communication. He has just like such a wild, like a wildly vast array of um, types of ETs and stuff that he talks about. Um, like he talks about, uh, he even talks about demons and the demon realm and going to the demon realm and, uh, you know, and then also psych, uh, psychically communicating with aliens in space and 
Mm. Uh, he's like all over the map with that kind of stuff. And um, someone mentioned last week in in the comments. I noticed though, like when you start looking at the strange, the strange starts looking at you. Well, so what if even just by that logic, you go, yeah, you start with aliens, mm-hmm. and the next minute, like you are like, hang on a minute, like, what's this? Mm-hmm. And what if it, what if it is as simple as you know, if it is like opening up your third eye or like opening up your other chakras or however it works, that the more open you become, the more kind of work that you do or the more you allow yourself to believe, the more you can see, like if that veil is lifted. So maybe, I don't know, like I don't know enough about it to, like a lot of these claims you can't prove or disprove because they're people's personal accounts. Right. And that's what you said, like he talks about people's personal accounts. Mm. In effect, he's like a storyteller, like like how the, charism- yeah. the charismatic preachers are like. And this person that sent me a letter, they sent me a thousand dollars, but they had this story of how like this thing got fixed on them, you know? Yeah, that's so they're, a, that's they're a really preaching good point. the good news, or they're preaching news. Uh, yeah, you know what? I have to sort of echo that sentiment because, you know, you guys know that I used to be pretty hardline skeptic. I don't, I refuse to accept anything that doesn't have evidence. And I closed myself off to anything that, you know, couldn't be proven. And, you know, the last year or so, I've been sort of opening myself up more to that kind of shit. And I gotta say that I used to really think Stephen Greer was crazy or a liar. But the more I look into it, I'm starting to feel that there really is a connection between I say I think I've said this in every episode of the podcast a connection between ghosts aliens and Bigfoot all those things seem to be part of the same realm where you sort of like Patrice said you have to be open to those things to even experience them and um, I don't and people take like you know Graham Hancock talks about even like the burning the burning bush, like acacia, the use of hallucinogenics, all of that kind of stuff to literally allow people to relax their forward mind, their conscious mind, to allow their subconscious to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that is even just, you know, small changes in electric fields around us, like that we become more perceptive to things that we wouldn't otherwise be. You know, and is we just say it's a supernatural because it's blocked by our conscious mind. It's a, it's I like if, like you said, maybe like a third eye thing, that Mm. literally there is a a part of our uh, physiology, and our psyche that we have to sort of open up to these things because Mm. I'm not. I'm not convinced that the idea of there being physical aliens from other planets that have traveled here and interact with us on Earth that. I mean, not that that's impossible. It's very possible. But I, f- I feel like if aliens are real and, you know, we are interacting with those things, that they're not like flesh and blood the way we are. That there is sort of an elusiveness to them. And I feel like the, uh, what, what sort of got me thinking about that was just how many of these new agers and UFO believers also go into the realm of psychic communication with aliens in space. And it's like, that just sounds like demon communication to me. It sounds like you're communicating with non-physical beings or, or something that's, uh, you know, 
something that's um, more of like a mental phenomenon than it is a physical phenomenon. And uh, I think that people conflate the idea of there being intelligences that exist outside of humanity with the idea of there being... Uh, yeah, they conflate physical alien concepts, UFOs, with... Sorry, yeah, they conflate UFOs, the phenomenon of there being these physical craft that we don't recognize. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and the idea of these, like, other... <clears throat> sorry, otherworldly intelligences. These uh, non-human intelligences that we can sort of interact with. And I feel like... Um, you know, I used to be pretty hard on, I used to be really hard on religion and I feel like a lot of that stuff, a lot of stuff that people call aliens now is the same kinds of phenomenon people were, uh, experiencing back in the bronze age that they were calling angels or, uh, demons mm. or, um, sons of God or like all of those things I think are, are possibly related to that same realm of not necessarily beings that exist here on earth uh not beings that we can interact with <clears throat> sorry my throat um not beings that we can interact with um on a regular basis wow it's an interesting night here folks sorry i got a little distracted with the chat Yeah, we need uh, we need some moderators. We were actually just talking about that before we started the stream. It would be really nice to have a dedicated mod. Uh, we've got a couple people in mind, but then, you know, it's also sort of an awkward thing to ask your friends to do to to see what random strangers are saying about you online <laughs> and keep keep that under tabs. Like that's not something <laughs> that's not something you really just go to your friend and ask them to do. Okay. Um, yeah, why don't we take just a quick, like, two-minute break here, and then we're going to start getting into the apocalypse. We're going to start talking about the end times, and we've got multiple different examples to go over. Um, I, of course, come from, like, a, a Christian background, so I'm pretty familiar with the Book of Revelations. Um, I'm pretty familiar with... Um, you know, the Christian idea of end times and the apocalypse and all that. But then we've also got some more modern examples. We've got, uh, there's also all those hoax examples too of uh, different, uh, different uh, like watchtower they, people. and Yeah, no, like more, I love all the uh, like Nostradamus stuff. Oh, Nos Nostradamus. All of, like, the, you know, premonitions, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff from Nostradamus that... Uh, Apparently we've got a few super chats. Yeah, I'm going to read uh, I'm gonna read a couple super chats before we start our break here. Uh, so Iron Wolf Spear. Oh, he sent a couple here. Hey, buddy, out of all the skeptics, how does it feel to not be a degenerate like the rest of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Um... What do you think of Jim? Well, I'm, uh, 
I appreciate the super chat. Thank you. I'm not going to make comments on other YouTubers. Um, I think Jim's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, and the, but the kind of content that he makes is not the kind of content that I would make. That, and I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, I think that he's a very smart guy. And I think he's very clever and he understands the world around him better than a lot of people do. Um, am, am, I, am I the least degenerate skeptic? Am I, I, I think that I'm the least edgy one. I think, that, I think that a lot of the skeptics, I mean, I fell into that trap too. I went down the whole like so, sociopolitical route. And I think that's sort of the downfall of skeptics in general. Just, just stay well, away from the that. Blurring, it's the blurring of, that's the problem that I have in this modern era is that they've taken things, like people that want to think about things like conspiracy theories and then just tarred it all with the same brush. Right. And that's, make you, that's the danger I fall into now that I talk about conspiracy theories because I'm not just straight debunking them. And that makes YouTube nervous, but that... I mean, people in general, I mean, conspiracy theorist is like, um, that term exists as a pejorative. It's people don't usually say that as a, as a compliment or as just, even just as a functional description of somebody. Mm. And then, oh, Iron Wolf Spear, another super chat. Thanks, buddy. Said, read the super chats, buddy. Well, I just did. Don't worry. We, we're going to read them throughout you know we don't we don't um want to break up every single segment we do with super chats so if you send us a super chat be patient we will eventually read it before the end of the episode um we usually do it like two or three times uh mm. usually right before a break and uh so yeah we'll be right back with you guys in a couple minutes to talk to you about the end times my favorite one of my favorite ballpark music songs <laughs> All right, we're back. Sorry about that. Just a quick little break at the top of the hour uh, just to get our stuff together. Again, I, you know, I don't know why we can't get the music to play. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> let's just hope that that's the only gremlin we experienced tonight. It was work. It was work. My mixer was working earlier. And there's, you know, that's all I can say is I did my best. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, so uh, Iron Wolf Spear, again, another super chat, thank you, followed up by saying, thank you, I don't have any bad will towards you, I actually been sub to you longer than Jim, but I like to banter with you and some of the others in the, co in the community. Yeah, well, I know, I get it. I mean, you're allowed to have a question you want to ask, guys, you know, um, but I reserve the right to not, uh, not to comment on certain things, especially other YouTubers. Uh, that's just not something I want to get into. Um, but I appreciate it. Thank you. And then uh, we got another one. Uh, Lemony Pie says, I think the show you were talking about was Life Below Zero. Oh, I think that's it. I think that's yeah. the one. Oh, yeah, that's definitely it. A documentary series. Oh, they did 16 seasons of it. Holy mm. shit. That's I don't, awesome. I don't watch television, so um, that's interesting. 
I actually just like I actually just got my Netflix back after like four or five months of not even having Netflix. <laughs> That's how little television I watch. We've been like listening. We've really been watching too much Gaia. Oh my god. We really, we really have. I think that that's where all of our watching energy goes now is stuff, stuff like the stuff we make. We almost are. There was, there was one, one thing which is so interesting though is the, when they they're channeling aliens. Yeah, like, that's just so crazy to watch. That is okay. I'm like people willing going to into say, a trance and stuff. Like I'm willing to say that that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's just fascinating. Like to let some, like especially if it is just craziness. But if it is to let real, film you. But if it's if it's but, real, that's even more crazy because you're essentially allowing another being to take over your body. Yeah, that's make, like basically make you look crazy. I don't have the balls to do that. It. I wouldn't let some other being take control of my my body. That's that's unsettling. But it's so it's so interesting to watch like these people go into these trances and then that's something that I showed. I feel really like Louis Thoreau. Like I feel like when I'm watching it, my face is like Louis Thoreau. <laughs> <laughs> just like standing there with this look like if someone did that in front of me i would just well i reckon i would nervous laugh i would be like that one you showed me the one you showed me she was being interviewed by someone and that interviewer kept a stoic look on his face the whole time and i don't know that i'd be able to do that yeah there I, was sometimes where he had that like a little bit of a smirk on oh yeah well i i, I showed they knew an, each other though oh like, yeah i think that they were like I showed an example of this, though, again, in my UFO series of what it's like. Usually the person, they close their eyes, they sit in a cross-legged position, and then they start making whooping noises and strange noises. And it is, it is almost like they're having a mental fit or a mental break. Um, oh, no, we got another super chat here. Um, one more before we get into the stories. Johnny Askey, uh, no message. Uh, I hope that wasn't said, a mistake. He just said, just want to contribute. Oh, well, thank you very Stay much, Johnny. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you, everybody, so much for the Super Chats. Now, before we uh, get into the meat of today's video, um, I just want to remind, <laughs> remind people that we are asking you to send us emails to fullmetaltuxedo at gmail.com. And what we prefer is you give us firsthand accounts of interesting stories that have happened to you that's the preferred thing but if you have stories about things that have happened to your friends or family that's cool too or if there's it like doesn't an matter even if it is just like no. a couple of lines like if it's just something strange like i've got you a know, quick I've, anecdote is like yeah. whatever you've got we've got a cool episode that we're gonna that i'm looking at planning like even just on high strangeness like even if it was just something weird that happened to you that you can't explain or like it's it was outside your level of understanding like why that would even happen like even stuff like that is just so fascinating like it doesn't have to be supernatural or cryptid or anything it can just no. be something bizarre that happened to you so far the stories you know, we've got like mandela are... effect stuff like the yeah. mandela effect stuff like fascinates that's me. a really good that's a really good example yeah so i mean so if you've had something like that that you're adamant yeah it doesn't even like, have I'd to i'd love to do a whole episode on it, that it doesn't like as long as you can give it to us in a story form um, at least a couple sentences long, but we've we've received a few that are pretty long. Uh, one of the ones we're going to read for you tonight is pretty long, but this is just like think in the in the spirit of Art Bell. You know, this is this is our version of call-ins. So 
uh, we're going to be we encourage you to record audio. That is, rec- if you record audio of a firsthand account of something strange that has happened to you that you can't explain, that's golden. Uh, you can have your voice played over the air live on our live stream, or we also do uh, bonus episodes where we just read the emails. Um, but yeah, please send us more stories. We're very happy with the quality of the ones we've received so far. A few people obviously are holding back because a couple people have admitted that they've been listening since the beginning that they've only just sent an email now. So that's cool. I understand that it's it's kind of a, a personal thing to share a story like that. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you guys love them because I've, I've been really loving going over them. Mm. I just want to also remind you as well that to connect with us on our other socials. So we've got a full metal tuxedo instagram which we have a lot of yes. fun on we like we post like sneak peek for stuff there for armored skeptic as well and yeah we have other things we now have three instagrams though there's the armored skeptic instagram oh. account the full metal tuxedo instagram account and of course patrice just started her own online persona the full metal patrice instagram account so follow all of those you guys well, you, i call it more like not a, i don't i don't like to think of it as like an an online well, I'm a bit with that because I don't like to. I don't want to like think of myself well, like that. Yeah, that's, that's. I don't think I'm at that level yet. I've only got like 20 followers, so you can't really say that. <laughs> I'm not. Be, I'm not <laughs> being <literally> literal. <laughs> I'm not being literal by saying it's an online persona. That's just. Uh, that's it's pretty just, much just a place where I can put put stuff that I'm doing. If you're interested. Well, the other day she posted it. a story of the uh, the vegan uh, ground beef. Uh, alternative oh, yeah. that she made so like <laughs> yeah that's it if you're into that like you know. yeah but i mean but also at the moment what made me fun is yesterday we did do a, t- a t- we called it a crash crash test stream yeah so it's in the bio of my instagram and it's because it's an unlisted video uh so yeah if you want to hear greg and i play um dating sims oh yes 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 <laughs> well it was that's on there yeah <laughs> We're, we might do that again. We'll have to find some better dating sims. It was really though. boring. Yeah, it, it wasn't. En- it wasn't interesting. It ended up it being boring. It was like boring. the most boring dating sim ever. I was we, like, we didn't announce it. Where was it? all the juicy? Where yeah. was all the juicy like harem? Like we like you know the, we picked three that should have been funny. They sounded funny and they were even on like top ten lists of craziest dating sims and they still ended up being boring. Like it sounds yeah. fun. You're dating a T Rex. And buying him a new ukulele, like that yeah, sounds like a funny. Fever dream. But felt then like when, a fever dream. yeah, when it actually that one was really boring. And then the second one we did was more of a troll. Like it started off funny, and then all of a sudden the developers just like. So yeah, you don't have to listen to it now because yeah. Greg just told you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, the second one made me angry. Like I was actually angry. Like it wasted my time. A dating sim mm-hmm. wasted my time. Do you hear that? <laughs> so. um yeah um but yeah if yeah follow patrice on instagram she is like i said she is the brains behind the tell me more series and oh that's another thing patrice just reminded me of Uh, apparently some of you don't know that i actually have a youtube channel where i upload youtube videos the armored skeptic so go check that out our mainline series right now is tell me more and we go into way more detail our story we go over like mostly supernatural unexplained unsolved mystery kind of stuff on that as well so more con- very very much a like conspiracy theory sort of realm and i gotta say i'm just like i'm just loving this new direction that i've been going in um like i feel like i've broken out of the box 
Like I had myself stuck in this box and I was very good at being in that box for a really long time, but I've, I've, I've outgrown it. So yeah, um, yeah. So, okay, the first super, uh, the first, uh, <laughs> the first uh, apocalyptic thing I wanna suggest and or talk about is, it, this was actually a suggestion somebody brought up, but I think that this is interesting enough because it's, it sort of started off as a meme, but uh, and it ended up taking on a life of its own. It has like 700 upvotes on uh, Reddit, which I take is a decent amount. But it's called the stair, uh, the Heaven Stairway Incident, or the uh, yeah, the Heaven Stairway Incident, which um, most of the language on this talks about it like it's past tense, sort of like the Book of Revelation would talk. Um, but it's something that's supposed to happen on May nineteenth of twenty twenty one, so in a couple months. Um, so. <laughs> I'll just read. I'll just read the Reddit post here because, even though the, this sort of started off as a joke, it is like really compelling. Uh, the rain that fell between 9:02 a.m. and 2:39 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in New York City displays no unusual characteristics upon further examination. However, the subject is that um, the objects that emerged from the clouds during that time period continue to have no proper explanation. When the ran, rain began, the bodies did not immediately appear from the clouds. However, appearances of bodies appearing began to exponentially increase, raining from the sky in an unknown source, from an unknown source, sorry. So, this what is am I like... Listening to? <laughs> observation from above the clouds show no sign to where the bodies have appeared from, implying they came from the clouds themselves. So literally, it's like raining people. Uh, the bodies hitting the ground continued for nearly five hours until it abruptly stopped, corpses covering every square inch of the city's surface. The bodies themselves appear human, aside from the grotesquely stretched mouth to, the f to form a grin. It's strangely it's like a creepy pasta. Yeah, it's like a creepy pasta, basically. Okay. Every corpse that came from the sky also has limbs far too long for their bodies, with a lack of elbows, knees, giving them a limp figure similar to spaghetti. Alrighty, cool. <laughs> so it's raining. Uh, <laughs> every body is covered head to toe with a reddish yellow substance similar to motor oil. But there is no clear source where this could have come from either. So, yeah, that's... I mean, so the the joke was that this all started because somebody... Um, somebody made a joke about the... Uh, what is it called? The rapture. And uh, they pointed oh, out that... Oh, body's going up so, and now body's coming down. Yeah, so... And the, the joke was that oil floats on top of water and human skin is already oily so when it starts to rain that means you should be able to raise up <laughs> that's essentially that's the okay. joke yeah so that's how that all started but um so of course like the most famous end times prophecy is the book of revelation though i mean that's the one i'm the most familiar familiar with being you know coming from a christian background and everything 
Um, it's supposed to include the second coming of Jesus and... Um, but there's like a lot of debate about what a lot of this means. Like the term Armageddon, for example, um, people use that term, the battle of Armageddon. Um, Armageddon itself is not literally the uh, catastrophic event that destroys the earth. Armageddon is derived from the word Hatmagito, which is actually a region in Israel. And it's actually, a, okay, so it's a place where they used to throw the bodies and it would there would be sort of like this small constant smoldering fire down there so it was like burning dead bodies constantly so um that's such a grim image and so you can see how an image like that could develop a life of its own and become like this idea of that happening across the entire earth but the the book never says that the book says instead that the dragon comes in the sky and uh, that uh, Jesus essentially has to defeat it. So that imagery is actually exists in most religions, believe it or not. This was this was like a, when I was doing the tinfoil helmet series, I'm sure some of you know that. Um, I spent a good deal of time looking into this, and I was actually going to finish the series off with um, something about the Armageddon. And I, I think I will eventually go back to tinfoil helmet, but... I don't know what direction I'll take it in now. But um, what I noticed was that there's that same imagery of this like bird or dragon in the sky that's fighting like um, some image, some image of God or whatever in the sky as well. So uh, there's Ragnarok, right? Um, that's one example where Odin fights the snake. And that's something that happens in the sky as well. And mm -hmm. there's a, so Odin, uh, you know, we would know Odin as the god, but um, sometimes there's this like role reversal between which image is which. And it's, I don't know where this comes from because it almost sounds like people are describing a literal thing that appears in the sky. So like a literal dragon. So that might be like planet X, for example, Nibiru, as some people call it. And, you know, it's supposed to be this, like, gaseous, dark planet that rolls into our, uh, into our neighborhood here. And once it starts getting close to the sun, it starts to dissipate some of its atmosphere, which looks like horns or wings. And that's, when you look up um, Planet X or Nibiru, you usually see it sort of looking like there's sort of wings coming off of it. The other, another image for it is, like, the crescent moon symbol. Um, that's one image. And then even like the Death Star in Star Wars, um, mm. in the Rogue One movie, they did probably the best depiction of the, the Death Star ever when they destroyed um, that Jedi temple. Um, they had the Death Star do like a, a solar, like a partial solar eclipse. And it gave this like solar eclipse with like a crescent sun sort of image. And then you get this green beam that comes down and destroys the uh the city so that greenness um some people refer to that green i think that that green in the sky represents uh, a figure in paganism known as the green man the green man is one of the oldest religious archetypes to ever exist even catholic priests will tell you that the green man predates every other major religious figure so there's um, 
if you i think the green man in christianity is jesus i think in um in uh the egyptian tradition it was osiris and i think in uh uh the greek tradition it was zeus and so on and so forth and i think the holly king the holly king yeah there's there's holly king connection too so like it's usually uh related to uh the the green man is usually um related to uh the cycles of the seasons the growth rebirth so that's the big one is rebirth the rebirth thing so like the the first major legend legend of the green man is that he showed up to this party and he's kind of a joker oh so the joker the Joker is also a green man. And that's what I meant by there being a role reversal is sometimes he's the good guy and sometimes he's the bad guy, depending on which mythology you're going with. So I think that in in um, in the comic books, the Joker, you know, he's the bad guy. I think in the same way, um, the green man in uh, Viking Norse mythology is is the bad guy as well. And Odin is actually red. Odin is the dragon that appears in the sky. So Odin is the bad guy in other mythologies. So um, then, oh, so Zeus. So one of the other things is Zeus. I can't remember the name of the bird. I was looking this up the whole time. But there's a, a story about Zeus fighting a bird or like a tentacle. I think I might actually have it up here. Um, he fights. He fights this winged snake-like creature this dragon like creature in the sky so if you like picture zeus the god of lightning fighting this dragon in the sky it's this big electrical event that's that's sort of the thing that people would describe as this big electrical event in the sky with wings and um that's where you get the sort of the death star shooting this beam down to the earth and destroying something on the earth that's the that's the electrical part of the event um then there's also um um, oh, then there's the native tradition of Thunderbirds. Now, Thunderbirds are not necessarily considered an apocalyptic thing. Um, but they do fit that archetype where you get this big winged creature that essentially creates major electrical weather events. And um, the natives have a completely different tradition about what this is. They, there's no like regular period of time that these things show up. They just have a tradition as to what to do when one shows up you know they sort of they muster the entire village together they get all the women and children into one area and then all the men of the village surround them and protect them from whatever and it's not just the the thunderbird they have to protect from it's like other supernatural crazy stuff seems to happen during these events just like in how the bible says you know during the apocalyptic event where jesus died and came back to life a bunch of other people came back to life too um like that sounds sort of like zombies, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a lot of supernatural stuff that sort of happens around these these events. Um, so yeah, so Osiris too, the Egyptian green face. Yeah, green face. He's literally a green man. And what happened mm-hmm. to him? His brother Set, who was a mm-hmm. Satan in mm-hmm. Christian uh, mythology, cut him up into a million pieces. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the whole, like, fertility connection there. That's another thing you notice with this figure is in almost every religion except for Christianity, um, he's usually depicted as having uh, his junk out because he's, like, also 
a fertility god because mm. he's part of the the death and renewal of nature the the cycles mm -hmm. of nature the fall autumn uh, winter spring summer cycles so um yeah it's all tied in together with that and i think that when christianity uh to bring it back to christianity uh the book of revelation i feel like when it talks about this dragon appearing in the sky it's talking about this same ap apocalyptic event and i think that it happens in cycles i think it happens every x number of years um so you know the bible says that no man knows the return the time of the return of the son of god or whatever but i feel like there are that's people. hilarious imagine it would be the son of god isn't is the an actual son yeah right and that's sort of what it is is it is like a dwarf star basically or like a um like a gap if you don't know much about space <laughs> like a, a the only difference between jupiter and the sun is that the sun is heavy enough large enough that its weight is collapsing in on itself so hard that it's creating uh, a nuclear effect if jupiter mm -hmm. suddenly grew like uh four times as big as it is it might start to ignite and people have even um argued that if you shot jupiter with a nuclear uh, warhead that it would ignite as a second sun for quite some time mm. um and it's possible even though you know people always argue this with me that i think that that's what planet x is it's it's a, a dwarf star and there's a yeah. reason to worry that there's a dwarf star floating around out in our solar system because every other solar system that we know of every other one of them except for maybe a handful is a binary system so it's really bizarre that our own neighborhood only has one star it's so bizarre that it's almost unlikely but i mean there's a lot of statistical unlikelihoods in our solar system like the size of our moon like we're our moon is the only moon we know of that's as large as it is compared to the size of the planet that it's rotating around and it just so happens to be exactly the right size to completely cover the sun exactly the right size to cover the sun and there's no other place that we know of in the entire universe where that happens um so, no go on sorry oh so i was just going to say that also lends credibility to the argument that god created all the bodies in the sky for us to be able to tell the signs and the times like all of the planets exist almost as like a timekeeper for us here on the earth so speaking of like actual bodies though like you know we've spoken about cycles of cataclysmic events cycles of chaos that's that book that randy carlson mm, wrote right um, about like the younger dryas event and how they believe that that has to do with like the leonids and right Oh, the Leonids, so, we definitely have to talk about the Leonids. Yeah, so that's that's something which I find interesting because he is very hot on sacred geometry, right. which is another thing which you, you can't help but think that a lot of these um, religions or belief systems and structures also have rep repetitious patterns and, you know, connections to sacred geometry. But there is... There is a cycle, and uh, astronomers have argued about why there might be those kinds of cycles. Because even we can see through archaeology and geology that there are these like cataclysmic cycles. And one of the arguments that uh, astronomers often make is that, you know, the 
the planet, our solar system sort of bobs up and down as it's traveling around the solar system, uh, sorry, around the galaxy. And they believe that there's this thin sheet of dark matter that exists uh, sort of right, right at like a plate, right at the center point of the disk of the galaxy. And as it bobs up and down through that disk, that we're colliding with dark matter objects that are causing chaos in our solar system. And that's possible, but I don't buy the dark matter thing. I really hate the dark matter thing. I feel like the dark matter thing is like the big whoopsie that covers up all of the mistakes that Einstein's theory of special relativity Why? creates. Because, okay, so it all... That, the dark matter thing was entirely created as an answer to this balancing pencil par uh, uh, um, pa uh, par paradox that we have. So, mm -hmm. like, the idea is, like, you can't balance a pencil on its tip, right? You can't. But our, gal our, our universe, our entire universe, seems to be balancing on the tip of a pencil. And so what they mean by that. Meanwhile, me like Googles. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that someone has done it. I've seen those crazy balancing videos. So what they mean, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so what they mean by that, though, is that they think that the Big Bang, you know, this is all predicated on the Big Bang being true, um, that the universe all started in one hot, dense, tiny little compressed area, and that it has, it, it exploded and it's been, um, expanding ever since and we witness it expanding however it should be expanding faster than it is and it should be expanding so fast you know I'm under this paradigm under the paradigm okay. of Einstein's understanding of gravity um, for, for everyone at home <clears throat> I was just like had a like kind of a glare on my eyes like, <laughs> she did glaze over a little bit yeah I kind of looked like <laughs> the, the pancake cat <laughs> so the ga the the universe is not expanding as fast as it should it should be expanding so fast that even galaxies can't form essentially they should even be spreading out but there's something that holds galaxies together and they say that gravity is not strong enough to account for that so they, what they do to answer for this is they say, well, that must mean that we can, our paradigm can't possibly be incorrect. Instead, what that means is for every one atom that we can observe in the universe, there are 10 others out there that we can't see. So meaning the matter that we see in the entire universe only accounts for 10% of the total mm. matter in the universe and the rest is dark matter which means matter that doesn't uh, reflect or absorb light and doesn't seem to have any meaningful interaction with real matter in any way except our matter can be affected by its gravity mm. and I don't like that answer I think that what we should have done instead when we ran into that problem is said that maybe the Big Bang model is not entirely correct, and maybe there's something that holds galaxies together other than gravity. Like maybe, and th that's where we get into the whole like. But what is it? What would you, what, you know, text? The, like, the, I'm not an astrophysicist. Well, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I always tease that I don't. I'm not a physicist. My understanding of physics is pretty weak. Uh, but 
I understand Tesla's understanding of physics really, really, really well. And under Tesla's model of like the ether and electromagnetism being the thing that that is like the ruling force of the universe, I think that it's, it's kinda... I think it's an electromagnetic effect. But then I also think that people misunderstand how galaxies work as a whole, because I think that the the black hole or whatever that's in the center of our galaxy doesn't just absorb energy; it's an energy recycler. So it's like mm -hmm. constantly eating and spewing out energy, mm -hmm. which then goes out and becomes new stars, becomes new planets, becomes new arms uh, or s to the spiral of the galaxy. So I think that like each galaxy sort of exists self-contained in that way. And um, yeah, I think that there's like a million other ways that we can answer that problem other than we just can't see 90% of the universe. Mm. I'm terrible with this. <laughs> well, I mean, I am sort I'm of just like I am questioning established physics on a podcast about uh, conspiracy theories and, and you know supernatural and well, whatever. So, that's so. A, well, like the way that I see it, you know, is that it's still the best the the best explanation that we have. Well, and it is. It is unfortunately for as broken as it is, it is the best. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson admitted as much that it's not perfect it's just the best we have right now but as soon as something yeah. better comes along we'll start believing that um and i guess that hope i hope that that is truly like science continuously questioning itself hmm. you know like it has they say that mathematically that is how everything else works right well i mean but what i love about it is i do love what i love about it is that there is even in like you know the stem community that there is still that you know um, mystery of what it is well and it's that pursuit of wanting to know even, that you know is going to create fantastic scientists and physicists and just because they have a thirst to know like what is it what why can't we see it i think that um odd particle I think that, you know, the people deserve to be able to ask these questions and challenge the science that there's nothing wrong with challenging established science because established science is strong enough to survive on its own. And you don't need to make fun of people <laughs> who question it or have their own theories or whatever. Um, but see, that's that's an integral part of science. But that is, is that we have to have people that question. Because exactly. If there isn't people that question and people that are prepared to explain, then you know that's like, exact that's exactly the point i was making is that you the questions need to continue like and that's sort of that was always sort of my uh, my mentality with uh the armored skeptic back when i used to cover science and and stuff like that and i'd, I'd argue against creationists is that i just saw it as an exercise of of you know the the entire peer review scientific method is that it is about questioning it. And so even just going from um, Sir, Isaac <clears throat> Sir Isaac Newton's understanding of gravity to Einstein's understanding of gravity, that was, even though the models are the same, essentially, mm. and they both show gravity having the same effect on things, there are little differences that completely change the understanding. Like under Sir Isaac Newton's understanding of gravity, if the sun were to suddenly just disappear and not exist anymore, the Earth would Im uh, immediately start to, to fly off into space. Immediately. Mm. It would just imme immediately 
um, we would just float away. But under Einstein's understanding of gravity, it would take eight minutes for us to realize that the sun's not there anymore and that for gravity, for the wave of gravity around uh, the sun to dissipate. So eight minutes doesn't sound like a lot, but that changes everything about how the model works. Um, like the reason, the, the reason I ended up actually getting into thinking about um, Einstein's um, special theory of relativity and his grand unified theory um, is because we're working on a video about the Philadelphia Project, and that that goes into yeah, like he's a, been deep in it, yeah. like an glaze. She's over. like yelling. And I said, she's like yelling at me because I'm like getting too much into it. She's just like, you you can't even have that in the video. This video is not even about that. <laughs> I was like, and then we then we reached a compromise where I was like, yeah, okay, put it in, but you have to play it like two times speed. <laughs> so it's going to be a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> Everybody else is going to get like a funny fast forwarded version of it as a joke. But um, yeah, I want it to be like, I just think that whole time, like I was just thinking about the arrested, uh, not arrested development, um, always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Science a bitch. <laughs> I love that's, that is yeah. one of my favorite. I love always sunny in Philadelphia, but that episode when they argue so about good. creationism is one of the most mm. brilliant episodes because that perfectly encapsulates sort of the broken side of of the questioning science thing that I was just talking about is that if you end up with people questioning these things, but they don't have anybody that actually understands them to answer those questions, then mm. you just, you end up with people just not, you know, not trusting anything. Um, but that's because, but science and religion, they have to, they have to exist together. Yeah. Yeah, they are two sides of the same coin. They'll, one will never divorce the other. They need to exist together. The same way that the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain battle with every single decision because, you make. It's because... we're seeing it now. Like, the sooner we, like, we, we go through history where we'll be ultra-religious mm -hmm. as a community, and then we see, like, a rise in science mm -hmm. because people are questioning, you know, the accepted narrative. And then we see it the other way. So then science becomes really strong. And we're seeing that now with people reverting back to, you know, like paganism and all of these kind of spiritualist movement. That, that The spiritualist movement happened in, you know, the 1800s. Because of that, there was this rise. In, people were moving away from the traditional kind of church setting mm -hmm. because they were witnessing like the Industrial Revolution. They were seeing all these amazing advancements in science and engineering. And so then they took their spirituality back. Right. You know, so it just changes. But though that constant ebb and flow of, you know, questioning belief, questioning hard facts, and people always continuously trying to find that median is what stimulates both. Right. Because well, at fundamentally, people, people want an answer. Well, that and was... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and I think too, it's like, when does the question, you know, I mean, we've been thinking about this a lot just because we have been watching Gaia and watching, like, in a way, like that whole UFO uh, alien community is like a church, what? is a religious yeah. belief. Yeah. Um, and it's like, if it makes someone's life more bearable and easier to live, then at what point does it become dangerous? Like just because it doesn't, it isn't what you believe. Like 
at what at what point does being right supersede you know making life easier to live i really like your comparison of the ufo community to like uh evangelical christianity the pentecostals and the the uh um, charismatics and stuff uh, very 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 similar sort of fervent um, like community and, and belief and, and behavior and everything and I always compared the UFO community to a religion and I'd say I'd say that that's probably the most accurate way to put it but um, like look because at me because it's just people wanting to believe but something look, look at me though like a year or two ago like I'd say not a year let's go further back five years ago um, I was completely closed off to the idea of like God and religion and stuff. And now, like I'm not religious. I don't believe in the God of the Bible, but I'm at the point now where I think that uh, there is some truth to a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible. For example, I think that there's like there's spirituality. I'm I'm I I believe in spiritualism now. I'm in I'm in I'm even sort of into it. Um, you couldn't have convinced me that aliens exist, and now I'm like on the fence about it um <laughs> you know like there's a lot of stuff i used to be closed off to because i was going only on the left side of my brain i was only going with literal things that can be proven with scientific fact and the thing is there is a place for that in this reality we need people who think like that um but if you don't need to force yourself to think like that i think that the key to a balanced life is to sort of balance the two sides of your brain because the right side of your brain thinks of things more abstractly. And if our reality is is only a small part, like it, what we see is only a small part of the greater universe and that there's a, another universe that exists outside of our perception, then that universe might exist with a completely different set of logic. So if you're shutting, if you're forcing yourself to only think about the logic within our knowable universe, then you're shutting yourself off to that 90% of other ways of thinking and beliefs and um, possibilities that exist out there. And you'll never know about them because you're so stuck in the physical world, the meat world. And well, I, a good way of looking at it is like language. So you can go through your whole life just speaking English, but there's hundreds of different languages out there. Yeah, that's a good learn. analogy. But like the more I've opened my mind, the more I've opened my third eye to these things, like I can see them now. I feel like I can perceive them now. Like it's one thing to open your eye, but it's another thing mm. to actually understand what you're seeing because that's another thing. Like you, we could be dealing with people even that have their eye open, but they haven't been trained to actually understand what they see. Because a really good analogy for that I feel is like somebody that's born blind and they're like 50 years old. They've gone their entire life never seeing light, never seeing color. Um, they, they can understand what things might look like. Like you could describe grass to them. You could describe a lawn to them and they could feel it and everything, but they'll never really know what the color means. They'll never know what the text, like uh, what it looks like in the sun, what it looks like under the moonlight, what it looks like when it's wet, when it's dry, when it's dying, when it's healthy. They don't know those things. And all of a sudden one day you show them a lawn and they might figure out that it's grass, but they won't really understand what they're looking at. They won't know that it's brown, that means it's dying, or that mm. um, that it's like thick and luscious, that means it's healthy. Like they wouldn't, um, not just by looking at it, you know, like they wouldn't have um, that sort of perception. So just opening your eye is only the first step, I feel, to actually walking um, outside of this box 
that we sort of put ourselves in. In another person's shoes. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, with working on the Tell Me More series, for me, I'm just fascinated by people. So that's why I love, especially with this podcast, I love hearing, reading people's emails. I love reading experiences from people who, like, I will, I'll never walk a day in their life. I might not even have a life which is even remotely similar to theirs. But I find it so fascinating when they share a part of their life. And through writing the Tell Me More series, like an enduring kind of theme throughout, you know, writing those episodes is I find the people that the um, encounters happen to are so interesting. Oh yeah, the drama They're behind the story. They're more interesting to me. The drama than behind the, the story. Encounter. The drama is always the most interesting part. It's the 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 personal encounter. It's the the person that was in that situation that really um, drives me to mm. sort of be interested in those stories. And so, um, like a sneak peek, like Philadelphia Experiment. Everyone knows that it's like a ship that disappeared and then reappeared and all this kind of stuff, but the wild stories <laughs> that people like our Billick believe happened to him and all the interplay between the other kind of, you know, the connections, even with Bill Moore, with like Jessup, with LND, like all of these people that you will introduce to over the next three weeks. <laughs> like that is so fascinating to me. Right. So Absolutely. That's the spirituality kind of lends itself to give people a way to relate to people. Right. It's like a rule book to how to relate to other people. Well, it's, it's one thing to say a ship disappeared and then reappeared, but then it's another to say, um, I was on this ship and we were doing an experiment and they wouldn't really tell us what it was about. We were supposed to be degaussing the ship to make it invisible to radar and invisible to magnetic mines and magnetic torpedoes because the U-boats and the landmine or the undersea mines were such a huge problem in World War II. So they commandeered our ship and they decided to do this, that, or whatever. They turned, flipped on the switch and before I knew it, I was in the year 1986 or 1983, whatever is what he said. And it's like, once you put a person there and you describe what he witnessed and what he went through in that day, like it really makes the story so much more real, makes it more vivid. And, and like, you know, if you have any amount of empathy at all, you're able to put yourself in those shoes and it feels like you're experiencing it yourself. And uh, th that is what is the most interesting thing about those stories. And but that's, that's what my fascination with with like religion is and spirituality mm -hmm. because you know i don't i don't like belong to any kind of subscribed religion but i do so you're a heretic kind of <laughs> like, oh, i am a witch <laughs> yeah. but i think that the the best place to be is neutral so mm. that you can then and, and that is like a Buddhist teaching to like to walk the middle path, mm. you know, to not be too far either side, you know, so that you can then just take people on their value. And that's why like 
I would say that I probably lean towards a more skeptical mindset, but not so that I can just like rag on people and make them feel shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's because like I am, I always try to, you know, um, maintain a level of um, balance. Well, that's, you know, that is the philosophy that I was just saying that I've now adopted this, and even like Jesus even talked about this narrow path idea. And I think that uh, he got that idea from uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, mm. Taoism as well. This, And it's not about, it's like, yeah, partially, you know, Christians say it's about like just being devout Christian and only living your life that way. M- maybe that's what he meant by it early. You know, that's what the religion believes. But I think what the real Jesus was saying at that time was talking about using both both sides of your brain in every situation one foot in the meat world one foot in the spiritual you know one foot in reality one foot with god so you know one one side of your brain the left side of your brain just being aware of the reality that you're in you got to make sure you're fed you're, you're working your family's healthy you know you're taking care of your neighbors stuff like that but then in the other side the spiritual side is you're you're keeping your mind on the abstract, on the unknowable, on the things that you can't see and you can't perceive and you, the abstract thought. And there's so much power in the abstract thought. And like, just cause I'm such a creative person, um, very um, artistic and uh, I love making things, uh, creating art, music, um, animations, videos, all that stuff, films. And there's a lot that goes into that kind of creation that isn't logical or rational. You know, you can even make, um, like some of my favorite films don't even like really properly make sense. For example, um, like one of my favorite filmmakers always says that you bring your own meaning to these films. It doesn't matter to him if you understand them or not. Um, he's, he's also, he also makes the Twin Peaks television show and that's a really good example of a show that like it takes forever to sort of break it down and understand it because it's just so abstract but i love that show oh yeah some damn good coffee (laughs) yeah slice of cherry pie absolutely um so what does that have to do we've got 10 minutes before we've got to take another break but do you think that the whole um like that you know, like we, we need to see an end and that's the reason why we have these Armageddon stories. Like because the like just like the idea of immortality is Well scary. The I've, idea that this is how we go on could continue forever scares people and so there's solace in knowing that it's gonna end. It because it, we like beginnings and ends. I feel that's part of it that it gives reality a mortality. You know, it, yeah. But I feel also that part of it is that it could, the original FOMO yeah like <laughs> but i feel like i feel like there's it also has something to do with people like feeling like there needs to be a purpose to reality because even in within our own lifetime um mm. it feels like there is no real cathartic conclusion to our life we just die and then we're gone you know and mm. people cry and then when those people well, that's die because we're like, then when those people die yes. we're forgotten so it's like there's no real like so when if if they believe that God comes along and cleans the slate, that that... I don't like to think that. I think that my idea would be that you've played your part in the, the lead up to this huge event. 
So it gives your life meaning right. by well, knowing that's, that's what that I'm saying, though. some of everything that you are. Well, that's what well, I'm. Well, no, s- you just said it cleans the slate. Like, no, that what just the God, like it God, makes everything sound like it's a waste of time. No, no, no. God, God cleans the slate of the earth, not us, not of us, of our purpose. That He comes along and creates this this Armageddon event that essentially resets the earth, and it's like that gives it like a cathartic sort of an end because it's like, um, just like you said, we've we've played our part up to that point. That God God has recognized that the time has come, that we are all done in our purpose here, and it's time for us to all move on to the next greater purpose after that. So people need to feel like there is a purpose to this reality that we live in because they don't want to believe that we're just animals that live and die and then are forgotten, That, that there is like a greater meaning to our time here. So it is like a FOMO. It's the original FOMO, fear of missing out. Basically, something's going to happen yeah, basically. later after we're dead. Right, which is why Christianity has this idea that of the, the rapture or the, the coming back to life, that everybody's going to be born into new bodies or whatever, because they want to feel like, yeah, we're not... Because I actually think about that because uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell just died the other day. 44 years old, lung cancer. So tragic. I loved Screech. Um, but, like, I, I think about that, like... Um, because we're in such a crazy time. The last couple of years have just been so crazy. And it almost feels like it's all leading up to something, you know? I can see why people feel like we're in the end times now. Like, it is sort of a scary time and uncertain Talking time. about end times. So, and I think about that, like, when somebody dies um, during an event like this, I think, that's what I think is like, oh, no, they're going to miss out on the big event if that a big event happens. Like, I, it'd be really sad if I died now and then something really big happened i'd want i'd rather be alive to witness it you know so that's i think why you know they have that caveat of god is going to also bring you back to life and then start a whole new kingdom with you because they don't want to feel like they've been left out of it and i think that Mm. that's that's a part of the reason why the apocalypse in all these cultures is celebrated and and recognized because i think that there might be this sort of cyclical event that has been blown up poetically into this like end of world thing that happens every x number of years and people want to feel like that means something that all those people that they probably lost when it happened are alive again somewhere else that they've been do do you believe in reincarnation is that what you're trying to get at like do you think that you know, say say that time is not a linear that's, construct, that's, and it is like a you know, it is, you know, omnipresent. I well, like, I wasn't talking is that about. True? I wasn't talking about reincarnation. However, to answer the question, I do believe in reincarnation because, yeah, I'm pretty convinced even in reincarnation, and I and that's again, I'm not a Christian, but I'm pretty god damn sure that that's what jesus was talking about too and there you can even you can even find you can even yeah exactly you can find resources that it that sort of go into this more but there are some really interesting theories um sort of breaking down some of the language that jesus was talking about essentially he was describing reincarnation and again he was probably getting that from the taoists and the buddhists and stuff because and do you think that that may be why like the the church is so anti-reincarnation yes because they as an establishment don't want people to try and actually find yes 
Jesus exactly. or who he was. Because if, exactly. if that is true, then it is like the Buddhists, well, like, like the Dalai Lama, not, that they have continued on and there is an actual person yes, out there exactly. who is God on earth. Exactly. That's exactly what I believe. I think that just... And that is like the highly, like, you know, that is what the, um, like, in Rastafarianism, right. the highly Celesi. Right. Like, and we, un- we know and we understand that God on earth is a living man. Right. Exactly. You know? and But I, I don't think anybody knows who it is right now. Like, because just like any of us, he just reincarnates into another body. But the, the pur- mm-hmm. I think the, the purpose of, like, the gospel, the story of his death and rebirth is sort of like, is sort of a special telling of how that process works. And that he came back in his new body to assure his friends and his family, like, look, I'm back to life. Everything's good now. And mm-hmm. I, I am the proof that reincarnation exists. Just trust in it. It's even like that Muse song. If we could only open our third eye, maybe we would all learn not to be afraid to die. And I, I think that the, not to throw shade at the Catholic Church, though I think I do pretty much every single day of my <laughs> life at some point, but I think that the Catholic Church knows about this and that they shut down talk about this because they want... Jesus's death and rebirth to be a special miracle that can only have happened to him and they want everybody to believe that when you die you have to make the right choice otherwise you end up in hell so you want to end up in heaven but the thing is even if you look at Jesus's teaching of of heaven okay I know I've just been talking about Jesus all night I'm again I'm not I'm not religious I'm not Christian but I feel like I have a much better understanding of Jesus than the average Christian does like wildly better. So if you go and look at all of the talk that Jesus has about heaven people were asking him questions like Judaism didn't have this understanding of an afterlife. They never discuss it. It never comes up. You'd think that if there was a heaven you go to that the Jews of all people would have language about it, but they have none. In fact, they even just say, oh, what do you think happens when you die? I don't know. Um, Like, it doesn't come up. Jesus. Well, that's because it probably is like going into the realm of the occult. But, like it's none of your business what right. happens to you that's after the you thing. die. I think you're not even supposed to know that you reincarnate. No. That, and that's, that's the, that is like thinking, that's like lifting the veil. Right. Like the whole reason why you're not meant to mess with the occult is you're not meant to ask questions. Right. To, like you're not meant to get answers to questions right. that you're not even meant to be right. asking. Because you're not fulfilling your purpose in this lifetime if you're thinking about your past lifetimes or your future ones like you're supposed you know, to be focusing that fail that's how the egyptians failed because right. they were so obsessed with what happens right. to them after they, they die. were they have the whole book of the dead and let me tell you that shit is nonsense the book of the dead is nonsense it's um, like it's literally just a way of seeing how like your wealth like going you have to accumulate wealth but in I think, this life i think otherwise you will fail in the right. next but that's that once again that's a an interesting um similarity even like the coins on the eyes so mm-hmm. that you can pay you know the the ferryman yeah the, the ferryman to get to the second your, your next life yeah that that all goes back to appeasing, treasures. that all goes back to appeasing anubis that's even there's even a, a movie where uh, like the the hero his girlfriend dies but she died even poor so she goes to hell like, even the Denisovians, like... Isn't that just the most disgusting, like, philosophy that you need to accumulate wealth, otherwise you go to hell? What was that movie? What was that movie where she was... 
that was isn't that like Gods of Egypt? Yeah, it was some. Sh- it was a schlock movie uh, starring and he has to da- give up, uh, Jamie like, Lannister. Yes, I loved it. I watched that once and was like, "Oh no, it was it's a fun movie. I really yeah, enjoyed I like, it. It's schlock. And it's he just ba- schlock he had to fest give, though. He had to give his soul like he had he had was free because he had collected all his fragments of his soul right. from all these demons and to go into the right afterlife like he had to to see anubis before he threw her to hell yeah he was able to bring it back somehow yeah so the the point i was making though is if you look at the language jesus uses when he describes heaven and the afterlife Mm -hmm. he never says you go and live with god in the clouds like he doesn't describe an afterlife he should we answer some super chats before we go to our break he's very adamant that you are reborn like that is what he says you are reborn like that's what that means. He literally means reincarnation. And I'm allowed to read a couple of books on that. I'm sure that there's some wild. But books there's out there's there. other stuff he talks about. He does talk about a hell, but it's not like the it's not the hell fire. That hell fire is a different thing. That's about cleansing your soul. Mm. Um, that's not about burning forever and eternity. That's the burning forever for eternity thing is a punishment for angels, not for humans. Yeah, I know. We're gonna go to super chats in a second. I just want to finish my thought. Um, t- teaching you guys. I was uh, tapping my wrist. Yeah, t- teaching <laughs> teaching you guys Greg's version of the gospel here. So he talks about yeah, welcome to ch- yeah. You, you guys thought you came for the lawn talk. Okay, well, for I, the, just want, for, for the, I just want I just want to give my final thought on the apocalypse before we the move devotional. on. Devotional <laughs> is that he Jesus talks about this separation. This that's hell is being separated from God, and he talks about the bride coming to the wedding. You know all that stuff. That's and then um, people coming to the to um, the party or whatever, and they're not wearing the right outfit, so they get turned away. It's because they're not, you know, the outfit is a, is representative of you know uh, having made the right choices in life or whatever. So there is a way, a way to live your life that you've separated yourself from God, and um, it's like a darkness. He describes it as the darkness, and you're there alone. There's nobody else, just you, and nothing else. So that's hell, and I think that. The modern. Oh, was that that Job? Was that is that the scripture? Is that Job twenty three? I don't know if it's in Job. Because I think that that was one of the super chats that because I just pulled it up. Okay, so the I think that the modern way for that is okay. Think if the point of the universe is the universe is supposed to just d- just be destroyed or the Earth is supposed to be destroyed at the end or something like that or at at some point God takes all of His people as it were, off of the earth, out of the matrix, whatever you want to call this reality that we're in. God takes all the people out of the matrix. But there's people who have chosen to stay in the matrix because they're left-brained. They've refused to believe or accept a reality outside of the reality that we see with our eyes. So those people, if you tie yourself to this reality, that's how you separate yourself from God because God is only here for a time and then he moves on and you have to go with him. So... If you choose to become a cyborg or upload your consciousness to the internet or, um, you know, something like that, you're essentially tying yourself to this reality and separating yourself from God so that when he leaves, you're just this automaton for the rest of reality, for, for eternity, because you exist for eternity in this matrix as that. That's terrifying. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't become an, uh, a cyborg. Don't upload your consciousness to a computer. Yeah, we'll figure, we'll co- yeah, next week in Church of Gregory, we will, 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, a couple more super chats, and then we'll take another quick uh, five minute break. Um, and then we're going to get into some stories. We got some really fun stories for you guys. Um, okay, so another Iron Wolf. Wow. Uh, thank you, Iron Wolf Spear. Uh, for a minute there, I thought God made me deaf for not calling Caitlyn Jenner stunning and brave. Um, I've been with demonologists in two occasions and seen the occult the how do you pronounce that duende i don't mind email you okay well thank you uh, for a story for yeah. A oh yeah for story. the story yeah please if yeah. you've got full a metal tuxedo if you yeah make sure to email your story to fullmetaltuxedo at gmail.com we would love to read it on the air uh, i would love to know your time with the occult and demonologists uh gyro murphy oh he's one of my channel members uh thank you gyro he says it's uh, been cool to see a video on the conflicting stories of the Bible and Quran, like the similarities and differences between the two books. Uh, it that would is be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> um, it would be cool, actually. I think that that would be. Uh, I think it would be really cool to do that. There are some really interesting similarities, um, like the Quran. The authors of the Quran they believe that what they were doing is giving birth back to the original Bible that existed before um, the current Bible became corrupt and filled with, like, man's ideas. So there are several similarities. Um, they even have a tradition for Jesus. They think Jesus was real, too, that, um, but that he didn't die on the cross, that his body was swapped out. And that's, um, I think that that's a really interesting concept, and I even think that that might be true, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, that would be fun to go through that. The Quran, though, is kind of like you have to be kind of careful talking about the Quran because if you make uh, certain people angry about the way you talk about it, they get very you know. Well, and technically, you're not even meant to read it if it's not in Arabic, right? Because that that is well, that's that follows that tradition of it having to be be pure, be pure exactly. Because as soon as you translate it, you change its meaning. It's not, and so therefore, it becomes it's actually like a, it's like a forbidden book. The to King translate the King James Bible is a perfect example of how you translate something and you change its meaning. Because mm. um, there's a I'm not I'm not condoning this YouTuber. He is actually like a crazy like end times. Like he's actually like don't don't, don't follow this guy. But this uh, YouTuber, I actually <laughs> I made a video on him once uh, debating evolution. His name's God Rules, but he has this uh, really interesting series about mistranslations in the Bible, and like a lot of things that people think are like really egregious or immoral are actually just mistranslations or misunderstandings of what the original language was saying. Um, Van Flyheight. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Jumping in late, but please take my Google bucks. Well, we will take them with a big smile and a hug. Thank you, buddy. Um, Iron Wolf Spear again. I know you fully don't, you don't, I'm sorry. I know you don't fully accept the faith or God, but would you guys, but uh, what you guys are talking about, this verse could spiritually answer what you're asking. Job 23 that's, 8 17 so that's what you were saying yeah, so can you read so that to me yeah yes, re okay. read that for us please. but if i go to the east he is not there if i go to the west i do not find him 
When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decree against me and many such plans he still has in store. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all of this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. So that that you know, that sounds like remember that that like, perfectly that plays into what we were saying though about about yeah. walking remember? with both sides of your brain, even knowing that you can't perceive or understand the other side, that you just still live your life knowing it exists. So, mm-hmm. Sorry, what were you going to say? Remember that um, that I'm just looking it up. That that sounds like. Um, remember that passage that was written in that Egyptian tomb that we spoke about? Like, stand by. Okay, I'll read the next uh, super chat yeah. uh, from Miss Piggy again. Uh, of course, Miss Piggy, very clever with the six 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 super chats. Uh, <laughs> six 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 Canadian too. So. That's interesting. Greg, could you do an episode on your recent shift from atheism to spiritualism? I'm blown away by you saying things like you believe in reincarnation, etc. Well, see, I've been sort of avoiding talking about it because I know that it is like it will seem like such a stark contrast. But um, I'm, I think it, it is worth at least doing a vlog about it at some point. I think that it's worth discussing because... People think that I am the armored skeptic, but the that cart he's a cartoon character. He's a character that I play, and he is like a, a harsh, strict atheist skeptic. And there was a time when I sort of adopted that philosophy in my life really early on in the uh, armored skeptic time. But I kind of go through these um, cycles of thought, and I was raised religious and i feel like my time as an atheist was really good like it was a good way to sort of break out of religion but then when i was done with atheism i realized that that was an overcorrection. that yeah christianity and religion was wrong the church was wrong but not about everything in, in, institutionalized religion. yeah it's the institution of religion that is wrong but when it comes to spiritualism when it comes to um the supernatural even like i think that there is truth even in the Bible, that there are things in the Bible that are true. They've just been muddled up over time through the teachings of man. So, yeah, I guess I will go over it at some point. So just going back to that super chat, I found what I was thinking about. So that passage reminds me of this saying, which was like encarved on um, an Egyptian tomb of a king. And it says, he is as a god when he travels to the netherworld. The sun shines for him in that dark place. And that he might uncover his face and doss his dust, the north wind whistling before him. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. You know, it's similar. Isn't that like a similar kind of sentiment in that passage with that, which I find interesting. Sort of of reminds me, too, like uh, like, uh, metaphorically, um, 
I sort of was in the darkness. And then someone or something came along and shone a light for me. And it was after I had sort of rejected, you know, the my past life, as it were. And then this light, that was when the light finally shone for me. And I was it would helped me walk out of that space. So Do you know what? I was going to say to you about that other super chat about your, you know, exchange to spiritualism. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't think that it's like, I think it makes you a better skeptic. I think that I'm a proper skeptic. Yeah, it gives you a greater awareness of what you should be skeptic of. And we've been playing with that idea of like inviting people on Mm -hmm. who have those beliefs Mm -hmm. and like try to convert you. Like, you know, it can be that kind of like... To I would have love those that. conversations. I would love that. Like to just be able to ask these people questions. Like, you know, we spoke about that, like having like youth pastors on or if you're a demonologist or if you believe in, you know, if you belong to one of the satanic churches, like just having those discussions with people about what, what they believe and how they came to that belief. Right. Because I think... It's such, such an... You know... I think I'm in, the right kind of skeptic now, like the pro- a proper skeptic now. Like I think... What mm. I was before wasn't a real skeptic. I, that was like a neckbeard that shut down thought that he didn't accept. He, sh- mm. he shut down ways of thinking that he didn't understand and didn't accept. That's not what skepticism is. You, skepticism is about exploring these things, but critically. That's what skepticism is. And I feel like yeah, that's what so I that's do Yeah, and so that's why, now. like, speaking to somebody, like, that would be fascinating to me to be like, tell me about what you believe. Tell me about how you got to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, what made you go, this is it for me. This is what feels right for me. Yeah, and it, it'll this feel... This helps me live my life better. It'll this feel really good for me. resonates with me. It'll feel really good for me to sort of share that side of myself, too, for my audience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would be really cool to sort of ask other people that are like in the thick of it in their own special fields of belief new age whatever whatever belief system they believe and like really pick mm-hmm. their brain on it and understand their logic and their their reasoning behind it um yeah, okay. so let us know if you want to see something like that iron 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 wolf spear again man you are you're on fire tonight buddy thanks again in regards to Jesus reincarnation he himself said all his power and miracles came from the Lord the church not necessarily is hiding it yeah. but yeah but that's true but then Jesus also said that all the miracles and everything that he could do all of the things he did that we will be able to do too that the average person like you can do it too you can do what Jesus did so that was like mm-hmm. he was adamant about that so I think that in the end that translates up to his reincarnation and that's an <clears throat> his reincarnation and that's something again that the church i feel sort of hides that they don't want people to think that that is part of the cycle of life at least mm-hmm. in jesus's eyes you know arguing on jesus's behalf here uh aaron porter thank you for the super chat love the show guys oh that's an easy one thank you very much thank you very much uh, Iron Wolf Spear once again. I might have a bias as a Catholic, but I'm glad you're trying to stay objective about this. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, Dan Olson says, uh, Jesus totally had kids with Mary Magdalene. Um, I know, Dan. I know that they had children. Trust me. I know. Uh, Iron Wolf Spear, w- one more time. By the way, the first super chat was a reference to the dead air during the break, LOL. Uh, yeah. 
I think he comes up another two more times. So. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Let me let me just read those again. Uh, wow. Uh, one more from Iron Wolf Spear. Don't be ashamed of changing your thoughts or views about atheism. I have my gripes with the church, but I do believe we are in the end game. Well, that is the belief of all Christians, though, is that Christianity is actually an end times cult. Before well, you know, I know I'm good because one time I saw a little old lady running for the bus and she missed it. And so I pulled over and I didn't, obviously I don't look like a serial killer. So mm. I was like, do you want me to, I'll take you to where you need to go. And she said that she'd pray for me. So I felt like I'm mm. good now. Oh yeah. I felt like that was my ticket in. That's your one-off. Because she was very like <laughs> going to church every every Sunday. So I thought, you know, I think she might have a bit of pull yeah. up there. Yeah. So well, you, <laughs> you did your one good deed in this lifetime. For my life. <laughs> and then one more from. Oh, and the pressure was off. Yeah. <laughs> one more from Iron Wolf Spear before we go on our break. Uh, I would love to talk to you and ask or answer questions as a believer in Jesus. Give me some time and date. Well, let's start, uh, buddy, with uh, an email. Send us a send us an email, maybe of of your experience, and if it's interesting enough, we'll read it on the air along with some of these uh, supernatural things that we read. Because you know what, we're not shut off to religious experiences. So send, yeah. remember, if you have had some sort of supernatural or unexplained thing happen Even if you had like a born-again moment, or yeah. if you actually believe that you were like baptized in the spirit, yes. and you believe, like you're speaking in tongues, Any that of is that. like coming through. Like, I, I want to know. If you're I'm fascinated. If you're keeping track, uh, Patrice has dropped her pen 15 times so far since we started the live stream. It's been fervent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're just going to take another quick uh, three to five minute break here and we will be right back with you. Sorry, there's no music. Again, if anybody comes in is confused, just tell them we're it's on meditation break. meditation time. Yeah, it's meditation, it's meditation time. time. Yeah, be right back, folks. Welcome back to the final leg of the Full Metal Tuxedo podcast. So we're going to read some emails now. Now, remember, if we've said this already, we're looking for stories. If you have a firsthand account specifically, that's our favorite. But, you know, secondhand accounts are good, too. People you know of bizarre, strange, supernatural, unexplained things that have happened to you. We're, again, including religious experiences in that, you know, your own religious Whatever, if you've got something interesting that you think would sound really cool on the air. Um, we have two emails that uh, are text emails. Most people are sending those. But then we also have one, somebody sent us an audio file. That's our favorite. If you want to have your voice literally heard on our show, send us an audio recording of you giving the story. Just make sure that you have a brief synopsis in the email of what your story is about. Otherwise, we'll probably just skip over it. Um, we're going to start with Patrice. So, uh, yeah. So I went through and um, tried to find some emails that I like. I like putting them all together in so that they're nice and you know we're, we stay in the same mind frame. I like when a we're, like, listening. To I like them. a cohesive sort of theme to the emails too. Yeah. And so, like tonight, we've been talking about you know religious stuff, bit of spiritualism, bit of mythology, and. Um, staying in that same vein of thought i thought it would be fun to um start with some kind of angel stories oh excellent 
So all of these stories have either like a protector spirit kind of theme or maybe not, but it is with something else, which I don't think you could classify as a ghost. I don't feel like it's, you know, a cryptid. So I don't know. We'll just like something an, something angelic in nature, not necessarily literal angels. Well, maybe like, but what is it like? An angel, you know, the biblical version of angel, because they're just terrifying. They're straight up terrifying. Wow. Warriors and messengers. Of I God. think that we should they're do not it. meant to be beautiful and I serene. I think we're we should do an episode on that because that's some crazy shit. Yeah, they that's are like that's where I can badass. get it. That's where I can get into the whole argument of I think that. UFOs, at least the the lights in the sky ones, are actually angels, whether fallen or or not. But we mm. that that's a whole other episode, I think. So yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, what uh, what's this? What's our first story here? Alrighty, so this is a story by Fractal, and he starts off by saying that you know we had said that we may or may not cover the occult just because. Um, you know, like looking into the darkness. The darkness looks back at you. Yeah. I kind of believe that. We do but, have to. We do want to be careful about how deep we get into that realm. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. Oh, though. so am I. It's one of the things we've talked about the most. I think. Since and do you we, know what? Since we started talking, is that when my friends who have read like Ed and Lorraine Warren's books and stuff like that, they have said that weird things happen to them when they were reading those books. Yeah. Well, that's that's as as a believer in ghosts. I, the more I talk about ghosts and get into ghost stuff, the more ghost mm. stuff happens. And it's like you're inviting yeah. it on by, by just, it's like looking into the looking glass, like, like the, the eye of Sauron in uh, the Lord mm. of the Rings, that, you know, that, that uh, crystal ball, like that crystal mm. ball lets you see Sauron, but it also la- allows Sauron to see you. Yeah. And it's, uh, when it comes to, other entities that we don't understand entirely i feel like angels and demons exist in that realm yeah exactly they exist in the ghost realm the alien realm the bigfoot realm but i don't think so I I, i think they're a level above that well i mean that they exist like outside of our perception in a in a in a way that we can't physically see them or interact with them unless they choose but you're right. They, I think that they're they have above. A, like they have a higher sentience. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're like, higher. Think, like, they're higher whatever. vibrational, or lower vibrational. Mm, I think higher. Because demons are low. Lo- demons are low vibrational. Well, so they, they're like the infrasound. A demon, of- a demon, and a fallen angel are two different things. I think fallen angels are still higher vibrational. But then they wouldn't be a fallen angel. Well, they choose a lower vibration. So they chose a lower vibration so that they could live here on this earth with us. And then God and then God punished them by making them even lower than that. But that's you know, we've spoken about that before. Like what's good for the spider is bad for the fly. Right. So they are the same creatures mm-hmm. just with different beliefs. But that or, that's however think, that is, but it's beyond us. Like yeah. that's that's the thing where it's like you don't even that's our story that we've created to try and understand the dynamic. Exactly. But that may not even actually be anywhere near wow. what it is because it's beyond our level of comprehension and they can't meet us at that level of understanding because it hasn't evolved to that point yet. Yeah. But whatever they are, like I have well, I think, had I think I know an encounter are. with a shadow creature. Yeah. Like a shadow man. Okay. And um like 
you know, I studied psychology at uni for a couple of years and I was so fascinated by sleep paralysis and the way that I knew that sleep paralysis is a chemical, you know, reaction in your brain where your body's still in a sleep state. Right. But your mind is awake. So, right. like, I knew I knew all of that. But I have had, well, through a great period of stress, I experienced sleep paralysis once. Um, and I was so afraid. I was anyone who's actually legitimately had it and had like the hallucination. Like, I I knew what it was. I knew what I was experiencing. I didn't think that it was paranormal. I distinctly remember in that moment going, "Oh wow, I'm having sleep paralysis because I had been, I'd learnt about it." Mm-hmm. But it still didn't stop me from being afraid every time I went to sleep right. that it was going to happen to me again because it's really frightening. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, like, the listeners know, like, if you've ever had sleep paralysis, it's scary. You know, th- and it's actually very common for atheists to experience sleep paralysis. One of the things, wow. that, one of the things I find really interesting about sleep paralysis is that was one of those phenomenon that got me into the whole um, using Jesus's mm-hmm. name to ward off demons things because multiple people said their, their, their terrifying experience ended when they either called for the protection of Jesus or even just if they couldn't do that because they were, they were that paralyzed, if they just started mm. humming, yes, Jesus loves me, that that would make whatever it was happening go away. Okay. Well, in my, I didn't call in Jesus's name when no. I had my oh, second I would, be, I would be very expe- surprised if you did. I was so afraid of, I was afraid of going to sleep. It was something like it wasn't like I never had to be medicated for it or anything like that. But what I did do was I did lots of research into it and I ended up figuring out a way to put myself into an altered state that is like sleep paralysis. So basically you can do that by like meditating with your arm in the air so it kind of keeps you awake so that you're, you're keeping your arm in the air and then eventually you'll get the same feeling where you literally feel your body just go heavy. It is almost like actual projection. I guess it's the same similar kind of thing that people experience. But when I did that, because I wanted to show myself that I'm in control of it, that I could do it myself and I can choose to put myself in and out. So I did that. But when I did that, you get this sense of foreboding. You feel like there's someone in the room and you feel like it wants to kill you. Like it feels, you feel like it's something that wants to, wants you dead. And I could sense this thing at the end of my bed and I could manage to open my eyes and I saw this shadow figure and it was probably about like seven to eight feet tall. And it was like that cloaked, the cloaked version that you see. And it was just standing there. And I heard it say, am I real or am I not real? And then it laughed at me. And then I could move again. But I was never afraid of having sleep paralysis again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That, that is such know, an interesting story. I mean... So I put myself in an altered state and I had that experience, but then I was never afraid again. Right. And I think that... I think that what if, though, like... There is like a chemical, a biochemical explanation for sleep paralysis. But when you told me that story, it got me thinking um, that, you know, maybe that biochemical explanation is only the physiological Mm. part of it. And that that is what opens you up to being able to experience those 
other other things those other people that exist outside of our mm -hmm. perception and that you have yeah. to you have to change your perception to be able to interact with them and that is what i think like that is connected to the whole like me being able to communicate when, with ghosts thing like i think that's in that same realm it's that i have a sensitivity to it because i am open to it because i can alter my state in such a way that i can um perceive mm -hmm. them in a way that normal yeah. people can't or the average person can't yeah okay so, so the story the purpose of well no oh, not, no the purpose no. of me telling that story okay <laughs> yeah the purpose of me telling that story is that yeah i personally believe that you can change your, your like state of um consciousness and you're more open to these things so this this email really piqued my interest because when i read it it reminded me of the experience that i had um so it goes like this uh i was experimenting with the occult i got my hands on a method to evoke Wait, who, who archangel is this from? michael Does, do we have fractal. a name Fra I already said okay that. fractal, fractal sorry. In the beginning, yeah. okay i was experimenting with the occult I had my hands on a method to evoke the Archangel Michael and figuring it was something seen as positive and lacking danger. I would evoke Michael with my cousins and brother, two who were completely uninitiated. Um, so we sat in the family gazebo, candles lit, circles drawn and cast, Bibles and scrying candles out. My cousin and brother were the evokers and I was the scryer. We went through the motions and steadily we made our way into a trance territory and eventually I heard the voice in my head. I can only describe the sensation as something taking over my inner monologue and imagination. Stranger still, my brother kept seeing a fiery angel from the corner of his eye at around the same time. We decided to speak with Michael, during which he presented himself as the sun and the fairy inferno of God and protector of the solar system. I got distinct symbol, symbolic imagery of the helioshock being a shield and the heat and ejector sword splaying out a great splaying out of a great black solar eyeball staring out into space i asked him to protect my family and we bid him farewell trance ended we did not speak to each other immediately and instead wrote down our immediate experiences as these things tend to um, fade like a dream we compared notes and discovered that my brother stopped seeing him and my cousin confused that only felt a presence in the same direction my brother had seen him and had ceased feeling it when we bid him farewell. We began feeling, sensing and seeing the image at around the same time, no surprise there. We grounded and talked and planned another uh, evocation for Saturday, uh, the Archangel Cassiel. This one I refused to take part in, instead preferring to wait outside for them to complete it. My brother was the evoker and my cousin was the scryer. I waited on the other side of the property for their reports. About five minutes of waiting later, I felt a dark and foreboding presence, according to my notes, sweep up the driveway and towards the gazebo. I acknowledged it by writing that it happened and continued smoking. A couple of minutes later, my cousin came up to me and said that they were done. And when we compared notes, they had felt a presence come up the driveway and a light like a bird atop the gazebo. It was cold and menacing. It did not speak to them as Michael had spoken to me. My brother said that he'd seen shadows moments before my cousin felt the presence. To this day, I can't properly explain the second event as normal and not paranormal, unless if I fall back to explaining it away as a series of coincidences. I was out of earshot with them, and the nature of the rituals is such that it varies in how long it takes. 
So it could not have been my brain estimating where they were at at the wrist rule. This is by far the most trustworthy experience I've had while practicing the occult. There are others, more interesting experiences from other occultists I know, but I'm not going to relay them as I have some reason for doubting Marilyn's veracity. By far, I believe that this is all in our, if this is all in our heads and these rituals are a very easy way to produce religious and psycho-spiritual events, that is certainly an apt descriptor of my experience in the Michael evocation and a fair descriptor of the Cassiel evocation, though the Cassio evocation was far more similar to a typical paranormal experience with shadow creatures and all. I hope you enjoyed the read. Keep chugging on, Fractal. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, I love the moniker Fractal. Very clever. Um, mm. It's a portmanteau of fractal and tail. Um, so yeah, good story writer. Uh, mm. Obviously, very interesting story. Uh, that it, what's interesting about that is it sort of plays into what I was just saying about I think fallen angels. F- the the way that they've fallen is that they literally lowered their vibrational rate so that they could exist here. Because mm. if you're invoking Mikael, Michael, uh, Mikael is a higher vibrational angel. He is on in God's court. He is above us, and that he has to come to down to interact with us. But uh, what's the name? Sorry, what was the name of the other angel? Cassiel. Cassiel. So invoking Cassiel, it's almost Let me like look up what he's into. Yeah, because it almost sounds like instead they were invoking a fallen angel, because they were getting well, they were getting demonic experiences instead. If you believe in, there's a lot of people that say like this is kind of. I'm not quite sure which spiritualist this is. It was. It's a woman. Um, she was big on the, like the Akashic record and she believes in angelic teachings. Mm -hmm. So most people have like one angelic teaching for this lifetime. Uh, some people can have more than one, but the thing is, is that not like, like we were saying about angels is that they have their own minds. They can Mm -hmm. speak, they they can think for themselves. So not all of them are good. No, but um, many of so, them, many of them work in God's court. And like the ones that we call archangels, oh, we, we call them archangel because they are God's angels. You ready to hear about this, like, you know, badass angel? Okay. Mik- so Mikael, uh, Michael is um, the, God, the, the angel of protection. He is a protective, warring, he literally battles evil angels and demons for God and for for people protects people from them. So what is Cassiel? Well he is meaning God is my cover, cover of God. Hmm. Speed of God, God is my anger. An angel appearing in the extra canonical Jewish, Christian, Islamic, mystical, magical works and Ooh. often as one of the seven archangels, the angel of Saturn, which is the god of war, isn't it? Saturn, Saturn is Mars, Satan. Mars. Satan. Um, so he is a fallen angel. He is a fallen angel then. He's invoked in an ancient Hebrew charm to, to tell if an enemy is running away. Hmm. He's described as the, the ruler of the seventh heaven in, in the three Enoch. Oh, uh, really? Enoch mentions him as mm. a ruler of the seventh heaven. So, he, okay, maybe he's not fallen then. 
he uses bows, tempests, lights, and powerful winds, weapons that he uses against anyone not fit to see God. Oh, see. And he is later described in the same work as one of the three guardians of the entrance of the seventh palace. So maybe that's what was happening. You were invoking an angel whose job is to literally determine if you, you're worthy of God. And if you're not worthy of God, he's probably going to be kind of pissed yeah. that you're calling on him. Yeah, which, which if you are messing with your cult, yeah, they'd be like, well, firstly, yes. you're not meant to be calling on us. Yes, exactly. Well, that's, that's the other thing. You have to be really fucking careful about calling on the protection of the angels or even just invoking them at all because they are, they have shit to do, you know? And it's like, mm. if you're going to call Michael, that's one thing. Like, if you have a really good reason. I but, love this. Cassio was depicted in Francis Barris, the Magus, as a dragon riding gin with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like a boss. That's beautiful. Yes. So describes the angel of tears, the angel of temperance, the angel who preside over the death of kings. Interesting. So he's obviously... He's like an angel of death too. Yeah. So yeah, definitely don't invoke him then. Well, you know. People call an archangel Michael a lot. He seems to be chill. My, because his job is to protect. He's to protect the flock. He is like a protective agent. So people call mm. on him for protection, and that is his job. That is what yeah. Cassio was probably like Cassio was like, that uh, yeah, "What's that like, noise?" No, like that's your pager. Like you yeah. better check that. He's like, "What? Someone's calling me? Yes. I haven't, I haven't used this. Some random. What do I, what do, I do? Some what random. Do I do? And like, some random like, occultist is calling me. Like they should know better than to call me. Like I yeah. literally determine if people are even worthy of talking to God." They're like, I got out of bed for this. Yeah, exactly. You probably pissed them <laughs> off. That's a really good story. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, so our second story here is a voice recording, our favorite. So this is from uh, another another person with a uh, storytelling moniker. Uh, calls himself Goodnight Guy. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to let you hear for yourself what he has to say. So huge fan, all that. I'll get out of the way with that. So... Growing up, I've had all sorts of odd experiences from being on road trips and seeing odd things in the woods by the gas stations in the back roads to going to haunted houses and hearing noises and even voices and seeing faces on pictures, full-on faces, and these different weird supernatural, paranormal, extra, whatever things happening throughout my life. And I've gotten several tattoos, so it's not just I got a tattoo and this stopped happening, but I got a specific tattoo, a Judaic symbol called an emet, which is the word in Hebrew emet, uh, which means truth and is used to, uh, on a golem, to bring the golem to life. They are protectors and holy, powerful beings. There's a lot more than a lot of people think to a golem. I got this tattoo and things stopped happening. We stopped seeing weird things. I would go to the same haunted places with my friends. Things wouldn't happen anymore. Things wouldn't show up on pictures. We wouldn't hear voices, nothing on recordings. Ever since I've gotten this tattoo, which is supposed to be holy, things have stopped. The weird instances have stopped. The oddities don't occur anymore. And it's not just, oh, someone else has started carrying holy things around. None of us have gotten more religious or less religious. No one's carrying extra symbols around. No one's carrying anything else around. No one's doing anything different. No one's beliefs have changed. Same groups and same places. And the same things happen when I'm not there. But when I'm now there, 
no oddities, no weird supernatural things, no orbs or faces or voices, no creaking and stepping and things. It almost seems like this tattoo has worked to ward things away. It's similar to, if you know the show Supernatural that used to be on CW, which ran for way too long, they had an anti-possession tattoo, and my friends have likened it to that because weird things no longer occur since I've gotten it. And I just thought that was an interesting thing to kind of throw out there, that apparently these different entities can either sense it or there's something that can affect it, or even if it's subconscious and my having it affects an outward thing of what can be perceived. Ever since this tattoo, things stopped happening like that. Wow. That's really intriguing. Mm. Um, and it's not the first time I've heard of something like that. Like, I've heard of, like, ru- like Celtic runes and, like, I think it's called the Shakaray, mm. which is another protective symbol, which I've heard that people will just put it on their foot. Right. And sometimes even in just like a permanent marker and it's like a protection symbol. So isn't that interesting to have it tattooed on you? Well, I, yeah, just having it tattooed on you, I think is an interesting, because like I'm, I don't have any tattoos. I actually think that, uh, I usually think of a tattoo as like an anti-spiritual thing that it actually kind of blocks your spirituality. But, um, I, and you know what, maybe this is even sort of an example of that because it is sort of blocking a spiritual connection that he used to have. And now he no longer has that connection because he has shut it off. And that would be sort of detrimental. What's interesting about that is there's lots of traditional um, cultures and peoples that have tattoos deeply ingrained in their spirituality. In magic, in magic, a lot of magic is drawing a symbol and then waiting for that symbol to sort of manifest into something in reality. <clears throat> and the way that I've had that explained to me that makes sense is that demonic entities are... There's... Okay, in a, in a computer, the way your computer programs run, like the, the heart of the program that actually allows it to run, the, the machine, the engine of it, they call that a demon. In computer programming, that's called a demon. And I think that's such an apt description because what they say is demons are not creative they cannot choose to create something but if you give them a program to follow they can run that program and create what essentially has been given to them to create and that's essentially what these magic symbols are is it's a program and the demon runs that program. It runs that symbol, which allows it to create a certain thing. So one of the things that um, I don't, I'm not going to tell you guys the symbol. I'm not going to teach you magic on this channel. It's, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, but <laughs> one of the... Uh, uh, just in case. <laughs> just in case. No, uh, I, but there is this one symbol, for example, that um, makes something manifest in your yard. So if you were to draw that symbol and leave it out in your yard, hypothetically within a, a week or so, that thing should tell, tell me later. Yeah, I'll tell you about it later. It should manifest in your <laughs> yard. Um, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try to find it for you. Um, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't actually looked at this in a long time. So, um, yeah, people in the chat are saying, "Yep, demon." So, I think in that same way, though, that certain programs, certain symbols also deter a demon in that way that just by the virtue mm. of that symbol being there it makes it impossible for the demon to operate like maybe like an uh like a cross 
like a cross, for example. <laughs> that demons seem to really not like crosses very much. They, but they will. Like I've, I don't know. Ed and Lorraine Warren have a couple of examples of times, in, even in a very religious house, that the demons would come in, even though there's crosses all over the walls, and the demons would turn them upside mm. down. Mm. Um, so there are programs that exist that deter these demons or make it impossible for them to operate. So it's not maybe it's not even the de the demons and these supernatural things are not there anymore. They just can't operate around you anymore. Um, yeah, I find that whole concept very intriguing. Um, yeah, so we have one more story here. It's super. This one's a quick one. It is. What's well, it's only as quick as my browser. <laughs> I've got it here if you want me to read it out. Oh uh, Yeah, that'd be great if you'd read it. Hi, Greg and Patrice. This is going to be a rather strange one. So when I was five, I was laying on my bed during the day just having a little nap. I wake up suddenly with this thought in my head, get out of the room. Whew. When, I, when I hesitated, the thought, the thought, then the thought was, get out of the room. And he's written that in capitals. Wow. Came into my head. These are not my thoughts. It was as if something or someone was telepathically projecting them straight into my mind. I was bewildered, but slowly, lazily, still in the daze, did what I was told. No sooner than I crossed through the doorway into the hall, the whole of the ceiling in my room collapsed. Holy shit. And everything that had been stored in that part of the attic. Wow. I've had other experiences, but unlike um, with the thoughts... It was as if my body had been taken over control by something else. I can go into later date, uh, later into that later date if you want. The latest thing to happen is I was thrown from a vehicle as it rolled over going downhill. If I had not landed in relatively safe, safely where I did, I think I'd be dead or crippled. Holy I don't know exactly. Shit. I landed out that far of the way the vehicle it rolled over, unless something I couldn't see either pushed or pulled me out before it started to roll. That's incredible. So I don't know if I have a garden angel or if they even exist, but whatever it is, I'm running out of out of the nine lives of a cat. Thank you for reading this and would love to see what you both think. <laughs> wow. Well, I can tell you what I think. Um, <laughs> well, Someone's looking out for you. Well, here's the thing. Um, so David Polites, um, the missing 411, he often, he's mentioned a few times that um, he thinks, like, he plays around with the idea. He doesn't say it outright, but he makes it pretty clear that he's playing around with this idea that it's something extra natural or supernatural that these people, that, you know, some of these people are interacting with or, or you know, being affected by before they go missing. And he's, he's given multiple examples of, of people who avoided situations very similar to that, where this voice in their head just tells them to get out, go home. Mm leave right now and it tells it to them in plain english get mm -hmm. out go home leave messages like that go away stay out of here very simple messages mm -hmm. and yeah there's two two um two different uh lines of thought you could go down there one yeah maybe it's a guardian you know that is communicating with you maybe there is something that has got your back but then maybe it's also just a function of one of our sixth or seventh senses or whatever that when we sense danger, our subconscious gives us those messages in plain English so that there's no mistaking 
how the fuck important it is for us to get out of that mm. situation. Because it's one thing for us to all of a sudden feel this fear, this an, this anticipation, this um, anxiety that something's going to happen. But with that clear message of get out, being tapped on top of that, it's like it makes it clear what you're supposed to do with that anxiety. You're supposed to turn tail and run. And mm. in a lot of those situations, like uh, he's given some really interesting examples of what happened or what would have happened if they had not left. And um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I really like the idea of it being ultra sensory. Yeah. Like just there's something that change, it changes slightly, you know, and we are able to, you know, pivot right. quickly and avoid it. You know, because we're sensing something's different in our environment. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't explain him being thrown out of a car, thrown safely. Well, and you hear stories like that all the time, like only a couple of days ago. That might be, I read a story they might be unrelated. About a baby. They might be unrelated. I'm thinking more the bedroom thing, but. I read a story about a baby that got thrown out of a car. Yeah, right. Right. So the baby was driving, the woman. The wasn't baby was attention. driving. She rode. But, well, yeah, this is the first. It was a rough neighborhood. <laughs> um, the baby was driving. Oh my god! So, so the woman was driving the car, was not paying attention. The baby wasn't secured. There's mm -hmm. number one, awful. But the baby wasn't secured in the car. She went up on the curb, and the baby was thrown out of the car mm -hmm. when she hit a fence. But the, it was six weeks old. Mm -hmm. And it was uninjured, like mm -hmm. taken to the hospital, but there was nothing wrong with it. It was released and it was literally thrown out of a car accident. Yeah. And there was nothing that was wrong with this baby. And like, how do you Yeah, that is nothing short of a that? miracle. That's a miracle. Yeah. That's something. And, you know, like, and babies, it's amazing to babies see. Babies are resilient, but six weeks, at six mm. weeks, your neck is just wants to yeah. snap. And your head. Like yeah. everything, and they, you, you have no muscle. You have no muscle definition in yeah. your neck or shoulders. So your and head, is, your head just wants to leave your body. Accident. I yeah. remember seeing another car accident once, where a car, like there was just some kids just speeding, mucking around, lost control of the car, hit the curb, and it flipped, and it like flipped onto its like onto its side and was moving sideways at this speed. And it managed to hit a tree that just happened to be shaped like a baseball glove. Holy shit. And the, like, the roof of the car landed perfectly in this perfect part. So it just grabbed the car. That's incredible. And so they just got out. They just got out. But if it had been just a regular tree, that would have just, it would have cut the car in half. That's incredible. So how, like, and even just the things that had to go right, like the tree and had I've to be seen there. That, and I've seen that before. Like, it's terrifying when a tree at speed hits, or a car at speed hits a tree. It does literally split the car in half. Yeah, so this car, though, caught it like a baseball glove because yeah. the tree literally had four things going if they, off. If they had and hit, it was bent. It was even bent like a baseball if glove they had hit, how it looked. If they had hit anything else, they would be dead. Mm. A, a pole, yeah. a bridge... Um, a, a normal tree, like it would have split yeah. the car in half and they would all be dead. And so all of that, like it's it's amazing to me when you hear of these things where people just can get out. Yeah, that's Or that incredible. baby or like him thrown out of a car as it was rolling down and being fine, that the car never rolled on him, like nothing mm -hmm. happened, didn't that, break his that neck. That is absolutely incredible. So 
Yeah, I, I love hearing those kind of stories. Yeah, I mean, if they're related, then you probably do have something looking over your back. You, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you got some of those, hopefully you got a few of those nine lives left. But uh, mm-hmm. if they're unrelated, then my vote for the first one is uh, an extrasensory perception. Because there are senses that we have, like we don't actually only have five senses. Um, um, technically, we have many more. Like we're actually, we're very vividly aware of our surroundings in ways that can't be substantiated with we have an organ that reads this specific thing. Like we actually mm-hmm. are very aware. So technically even just like science recognizes that we have more than six or five. But mm. that being said, like maybe like that is a function of our physiology that we can sort of sense danger about to happen. Maybe something was happening. There was like some sort of a rumble or a vibration or something happening in the ceiling above you um, that your your senses were sort of picking up on. And it your your subconscious brain just gave you the message of get out of the room as just like a mm. clear uh a clear message as to what you're supposed to do, a clear direction as to what you're supposed to do in that situation so mm. but i don't know man that's that's pretty crazy that's pretty crazy I love like that. oh i Even, love yeah if you've like got that. stories like that you know i there are so many different subcategories that we're prepared to go into because all of them fascinate us equally okay so uh we got time for a couple more super chats before we uh head out i just want to uh thank everybody for joining us tonight thank you for all the super chats especially iron wolf spear oh my god he gave us so many more um Uh, first one, I send you the first of my experience with the occult. The second one will be short and sweet, but I'll send a separate email. Thank you for your consideration. Yeah, of course. Um, please, if you've got multiple stories, send them to us in multiple emails. That's the best way. Some of you have sent yeah. us multiple emails, uh, multiple stories in a single email, and that's fine. But with the way that we want to organize these now, we want to sort of put them in, in like themes. So make them separate emails. We'd really appreciate that. Um, then says, uh, messaging with the occult never works out, even if you believe or not. Don't s- stay. Uh, don't stay away. I was with professionals, and precautions were taken. Um, the angels you were talking about are the elite of the elite. They are focused in protecting the Lord slash home, and yeah, calling him probably not a good idea. So we've got a Catholic here agreeing with us that mm-hmm. you should not just invoke angels. Like, yes, they're guardian angels. They're, they're, they're good angels. They work for God. But just calling them is not necessarily a smart thing to do. Having a tattoo is mentioned in the Bible more as a negative because marking the flesh does prevent the spiritual um, movement within your soul. Good slash evil. Oh, there we go. He's just agreeing with me tonight. So that's mm. great. Thank you for the super chats and for uh, making me sound smart. And then uh, <laughs> the, the last one, the way to get around this is marking the body with holy water in a cross against your head near the third eye. Uh, coincidence, I think not LMAO. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like a holy water on the third eye is like, that's like an almost like a no brainer. 
Uh, so yeah, thank you, uh, Iron Wolf Spear. Very nice of you for all the super chats. And one last one from Chronic. I know that I'm super late on this, but there's this thing across almost all religious religions called the Chaos Kampf, where God kill a snake or a dragon. Yeah, so that's exactly that's exactly what I was talking about. That's exactly what I was talking about. So uh, Satan is the great serpent. Like the dragon, the great dragon is the great serpent. And in um, serpent doesn't mean snake always um, in, in the old Hebrew. Sometimes it meant lizard. And I actually even think sometimes it even meant earthworm. Um, but, um, so like the, the serpent in the garden, he was in a tree eating fruit and then God banished him to eat dirt. That sounds like an earthworm, right? A a fruit worm that got banished to being an earthworm, right? But, um, but you're absolutely right, Chronic. That's exactly what I was saying is each of these religions, like Odin fights a snake, Jesus fights a snake or a serpent, a dragon. Yahweh, the Leviathan. Oh yeah. So and um, Zeus, Zeus fights a snake, uh, a snake monster, a flying snake monster thing. So that just sounds like a dragon as well. And so I think the reason that they use a snake or tentacles is because okay. So this is where you get into the whole role reversal thing. So like I think that uh, to bring it back to the apocalypse, um, Cthulhu is a really good example of an apocalyptic event. And what is he? He has tentacles on his mouth, right? He's like a big octopus monster. And I think that that's Odin. And because Odin, also, he rides an eight-legged reindeer or an eight-legged horse. So what that is, I think, is it's like you get this sort of a one... He's Odin has one eye. So that's that one eye, I think, is like the mouth. You know how an octopus has a beak? a mouth in the center of its tentacles. That's the one eye. Mm. And then the eight legs that come down, those are the tentacles. And I think that this is like literally a an electric plasma event that happens in the sky when this planet X comes into our neighborhood, that it literally arcs plasma electricity like lightning from that planet to our planet. And it comes and it looks like the tentacles of an octopus. And so I think that uh, that's that's what we're getting at here. So, uh, okay. Um, Yeah, there's a 30 second delay. So we tend to sometimes miss a couple right at the end of the show. So uh, we're just about to sign off. So um, we got two. Oh, there's one here. Yeah, we got two more here. And then uh, we might miss you. We might miss your super chat if you send it after this point. But we'll do our best. So. Uh, so thank you, Chronic. And uh, Mr. John Banner, couple super chats from you. Thank you very much for the super chats. Uh, I guess I'm more agnostic than I am atheist. Very open to that middle path idea. I don't deny the existence of the supernatural. I need to be more in tune with my spirituality. The only question I have about religious ideologies is who's right exactly? Or is it just... Or is it more the following idea and teachings from multiple religions? I'm so confused, LOL. Well, that's sort of like the Buddhist idea is like no one religion can be entirely right. That you sort of have to live your life with a consideration that each religion has something to offer that can lead you on the right path. Yeah. 
I, I tend to think that it's about taking those principles. The middle path is more about looking at the society that you want to belong to mm-hmm. and being good in your community. Well, that's even something Jesus said when people asked mm. him, you know, like, what about, you know, all this money with Caesar's yeah. face on it? Caesar wants us to pay this money to him as taxes. And his answer to that was, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He, like, mm. the even God says that you should live your life following the laws of the society that you're in live with the consideration of those laws don't fight those laws that doesn't give you anything spiritually which is so funny because who Mm. fights laws more often in the world right now than the super religious people um Mm. in communities like those are always the people out protesting and trying to demand that things change uh for them specifically for their for their belief system and it's Agnosticism, like being agnostic is like, I think the smartest way. Because well, if you can't prove or disprove something, then you yeah. can just stay in that like well, middle, that gray zone. That's the word I would use to describe myself more. Like mm. even I'm spiritually open now, but I wouldn't call myself spiritual. Mm. I'm, de- I'm definitely I'm not religious. Hearing, yeah, and open to hearing other people's spiritual experiences. Like that's, for me, I find that so fascinating what resonates with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that because I haven't lived that person's life, I haven't walked in their shoes, I then can't say whether that's right or not because in their experience, that may be exactly where they need to be, exactly what they're supposed to be learning or, you know, exactly the role that they're meant to be playing in society. I feel like that's the kind of skeptic I am now. I am an agnostic skeptic that... Mm. I use my skeptic. I'm a skeptic in that I'm curious. I, I'm curious about the truth. I want to know the truth. I'm seeking the truth. And I do mm. that through a skeptical lens. But I, to do that, though, you still have to be open to being wrong about, mm. you know. But what if it's not even about questioning that? Like, what if it, the whole point is, is just to be a good to the people that are good to you? Hmm. You know, like what if it's well, on this pursuit love, of understanding, love knowing. Thy, that's love thy neighbor. Yeah, but we're not meant to know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, like we have this obsession with questioning. Right. But And, you know, we've spoken about that before, how it's like we question, but like our little minds can't handle the, the answers. Right. Well, I've, I or feel. Or even if we were given the answer, we would still continue to question it. I feel that way about, um, you know. I had like a looking through the veil experience. And the one thing that I came away with for mm. sure after walking away from seeing what I saw was that I really shouldn't tell people what I saw because that's not for them. Like mm. you see what you're supposed to see in this, in this lifetime. And that mm. like that's, we have that conversation a lot when, when we're talking about academia, we're talking about the spiritual, we're even talking about that special kind of yoga that you need to be initiated into. It's like certain things are dangerous to know if you don't have uh, the proper... Um, knowledge. <laughs> yeah, like to, it's one thing to have knowledge and it's another one to have a functional understanding of what that knowledge means. It's mm. so like it's, it's one thing to know that a traffic light turns red. It's another to know that that means you're supposed to stop. Mm. So, you know, that's, it can be dangerous to give people knowledge without giving them 
initiating them into what that knowledge actually un- means. Like, and the weight of knowing, even just knowing something that other people don't know. Like, I think that's a good way to put it, the weight of knowledge. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't really ever unknow something. Right. And that's, and that is, you know, looking into conspiracy theories and stuff, like with the deep underground military bases, I'm pretty goddamn sure I know exactly why those cattle mutilations happen. But, and so does that one. Oh, yeah. That one police officer. It's not paywall either. When you put, you should, the paywall. Yeah, this is not a paywall (laughs) thing, guys. This is, there's actually (laughs) one of the people that when we were researching this, the, uh, the deep underground military bases. Uh, one of the people that we uh, listened to was the police officer who was actually investigating these cattle mutilations in the uh, Dulce area. And he said, too, that he n- knew why they were happening, but he can't say because it's top secret and sensitive. And for that same reason, I will not say what it is because just saying what it is with with no initiation into that like that'll just fucking freak people out you can't just share information when you find it out and i used to think that way and you know that's part of what the tinfoil even though the tinfoil helmet series like a lot of that was just thought experiments and having fun there was a lot of stuff in there that was like you know real and i'm kind of glad that i pumped the brakes on that series because i felt like i had this duty to tell everybody what i know and I've since learned that it's dangerous to just do that because I would, I would first have to teach you what it even means to know those things before I even tell you what those things are. Because our society balances on a pencil, you know? And, like, you don't want to knock that pencil over by, by just throwing um, random information out about things that have been buried about our past because there's a reason those things have been buried about our past. You know, the truth will set you free, but that doesn't mean that you should just go around setting people free because some people depend on those chains that they wear. You know, they, they're used to them. You just cut somebody's chains off and they'll fall to their death. Um, I'm just going to refresh one more time, see if there's a last minute uh, chat here, and I think we're good for the night. Yep, all right. Yes, and I'm, I'm, happy to, uh, I'm happy to announce that I have now have... 40 followers excellent. not 20 excellent so yeah we're going up in the world yes pretty thank you that's pretty thank goddamn close to followers. internet celebrity status well you know some someone's got to do it <laughs> like you know it's just <laughs> thank you for joining us everybody this was a really fun episode even though i know it got off to kind of a weird start we're talking about lawn care and stuff um yeah give me your last lawn care tip We've had some people I've mentioned. Oh, oh um, if you've got like... Flat, flash round. Okay, if you've got dead patches on your lawn, you definitely want to soak the hell out of those dead patches. You want to um, dethatch it, uh, mow that area frequently, and then even if, especially if you're in the heat of the summer, you want to cover that area up with some mulched up living grass, healthy grass, stuff that you've mowed from the other part of your lawn, rake it over top of that, and then, you know, seed, well, first seed it, Maybe even put a little soil on it. Then cover that up with healthy grass. And then the healthy grass will sort of act as a cocoon, protecting the new growth from getting scorched by the sun, and it will help maintain the moisture. And then you'll notice a much more growth much faster in that patch. 
I was going to say, like, you can always just spray paint it green. Oh, okay. Well, I wouldn't, that's not, I wouldn't say that's advice, but that is an option. Yes. You can do that in a pinch. Yeah. Or you've got also, like, my top tip is, you know, if you want to promote a lush, thick growth, you got to, like, mow it every three days, three to four days. All right. Well, and one last super chat from Corey W. <laughs> Thank you. He says, pickles. Thank you, Corey. I will go eat a pickle now, actually. Thank you. Thank you for making me crazy. Thanks for reminding me. Jesus, we almost forgot. <laughs> I almost forgot. Pickles. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see you next Saturday. And uh, keep your ear open. I don't know if we're going to come up with a bonus episode this week. We probably will. but I think we will. I think we will. It only really takes us a couple hours to record it. Um, just but- another reminder, too. Just if you do have any stories, please send them through to fullmetaltuxedo at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow and connect with us on our socials. Greg's at Armored Skeptic. I'm Full Metal Patrice, and we've got Full Metal Tuxedo as well, which is our Instagram handle for for this podcast. That's right. Uh, Thank you for the super chats, everybody. Thank you for the stories uh, from our storytellers tonight. And we'll catch you next Saturday night live. uh, Live show every Saturday night on the Armored Gregory YouTube channel. And then we upload the final version to all of the podcast streaming services and to the Armored Skeptic More YouTube channel. We'll see you over there. Have a good night. Oh, and also, we didn't crash. And we didn't crash. This is the first stream we didn't crash. Watch, we're going to crash right now. Good night, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye.